need to crush the forces of evil with style. Let's start by dropping Agent Orkjumpus. Next, we distract them some more by playing Bulkers at maximum volume. Then we'll take advantage of the wet terrain and drop activated tasers onto the ground. Our attack will continue by exploding a mine underneath the baddies and launching them up into the air in pieces. Which is just where our flamethrower chainsaws will get rid of what's left and feed the dust in what? Until they die? Someone needs to get on the same page with us. Your backlog, The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the RPG Backtrack. It's continuing mission to explore games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. To seek out forgotten games and neglected classics. To boldly discuss what you have not played before. RPG Backtrack, the longest-running podcast about your favorite RPGs of the past. Get ready for in-depth discussion of plots, characters, gameplay, and more from the staff of RPGamer.com. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Bill Willis and Mike Minky. Welcome, this is RPG Backtrack number 220, Grand Game Arts. I am your host, Phil Willis, and this is your other host, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Mike Minky. Yeah, we're pretty sure that I do not have a common surname. My my first name is common, but I think the uncommon the surname makes up. I work in hotels. I have checked in thousands of people. I have never come across that name. That is irrefutable proof that you are, in fact, the one and only Mike Minky. Well, Phil, you also work in Salt Lake City, a state, a place that is not the best place to be in a hotel room, I think. No, no, but a state where, like, every third last name is Smith. Uh, we also have... Aren't, aren't there some friends too? <laughs> we have a couple of people to help uh, us talk about video games to today. First off, we have Miss Kelly Ryan. I am a angel one moment and a demon then that. That'll come into play later. Mr. Did you? I think you said her name wrong. I know. It's the new normal. Mr. Matt Mace. <laughs> hey, you got that one right, too. This is Phil's uh, two for two, three for three. I he got his own so, name right, so I guess he's four for four. I am so stressed and tired. It is not even funny, man. The new normal just sucks. But, uh, but yeah, you know, what, what are you going to do? We're going to talk about games. That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And we have Mr. David McDonald's. Clearly not. Main GTO Hound on its way to the new continent, where apparently its name will still be spelled wrong. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
And we are here to talk about Grandia Games, one of the best RPG game series ever made, bar none. It's, it's, it's right up there. Oh my gosh. Right next to the best uh, RPG series, Final Fantasy VI. It is. It is so good, it stands as a series all on its own. With all its remakes. It redefined what the word meant. Yeah. Just if you're (laughs) good enough, you qualify. What the series means. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. We're going to be talking about Grandia, Grandia 2, Grandia Extreme, Grandia 3, maybe some other games with the word Grandia in them. We got a whole bunch. We got a whole bunch of Grandia games to talk about. Uh, So, yeah. So, we're going to talk a lot about Grandia online. Definitely. Oh, don't oh, do that to me. Uh, we are totally doing that. So uh, we're going to go take a break, uh, stick a testing swab way up our nose, and we'll be right back.
This is the main event where we take a game or series of games and we dive into the deep details while maintaining proper social distancing. Tonight we are talking about grind. Just on a roll tonight. We were talking about the Grandia series I mentioned earlier. We're are, gonna... are, are you going to talk about the masks to wear in order to be in range of these games? Uh, well, you do need a mask for <laughs> for a couple of these games, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start off talking about Grandia, the first game, just called Grandia. Uh, Grandia was developed by Game Arts, and it was published in North America by Sony Computer Entertainment. This was released in North America. America on the PlayStation October 26, 1999, and re-released out on the Switch with some graphical updates August 16th, 2019. And, um, and the version I played was the original on the Saturn, which never got brought over, but I played no. it anyway because it rocked. Oh, I was going to oh, say, yeah. it should be noted, the Saturn version did so good that that's when they ported it on the planet, and that's when we got it. Mm-hmm. I haven't even also got probably. there. I, 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 I still haven't finished my blurb. Released <laughs> on Microsoft Windows in North America October 15th, 2019, and originally released in Japan on the Sega Saturn December 18th, 1997. This is a single-player RPG experience that set the world on fire with its revolutionary combat system. No, that's or at least Japan. It, it should have. <laughs> it should have, yeah. Yeah, this should have been the evolution of the AT. Although I gather, I haven't touched the PlayStation much. I gather that was not the best. It wasn't, I mean, it's all I played, so it wasn't bad. Yeah, it was fine. You still got the point. It's The Saturn version is definitely the best one. Uh, the Switch version has its trade-offs. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. What's so great about the Saturn version? I'm curious now. Uh, Ron's better, for one. Okay. I remember it running quickly, it ran smoothly, no graphical glitches. Uh, obviously, since I haven't put a ton of time into the PlayStation version, it's hard to compare, but Saturn just had no operating problems that I can recall. And I gather the PlayStation one it does. Well, I mean, if you're looking for a version that doesn't have issues, I mean, fine. I mean, I guess <laughs> if that's what you have to base your decision on. Of course, there's no English version that doesn't have issues, but... <laughs> But yeah, the PS1 version has specific, a lot of the larger field environments that can really chug in. Mm. But that's some minor details. Yeah. It, it still works when you need it to work. And this is a sizable game, and it remains investing from beginning to end, or at least it does in terms of battle, which is the most important thing since I was playing the import. Mm. I'd say it's, Especially it's, for you, that would be it. The battle gets is gonna get battle system is gonna get a lot of play, so I do want to stick up for the story a bit because it's like it's not an amazing story, but unlike a lot of its contemporaries, it absolutely succeeds at everything it attempts to do, which is not something you can say for a lot of scenarios in that era. Yeah, and, and, again, th- again, playing it in Japanese, my experience was different, but I yeah, I'd imagine it, it doesn't have a huge amount of stakes, and even without speaking the language, I can tell that the character Justin yeah. is obviously. Uh, a teenage boy for whatever that amounts to. And I remember them having a lot of ridiculous fun with, oh my goodness, we've got uh, Murin. Am I getting the name right? The the Colonel Murin? Mullen. Mullen is how Mullen. they localized okay. it. Again, I, it could have been localized. Yeah, Murin would have been a perfectly acceptable one, but Mullen is what they went with. 19? <laughs> yeah, he's about 20. Like the, the ages in this game are super vague. I remember... 
discussing it with people years afterwards, and no one ever guessed the cast's ages correctly. Justin, he's fourteen. He does not seem like it, especially at the beginning. And Fina is. Yep. And Sue is eleven. No, she's like eight. Okay. Which fits because at the beginning, Justin feels like he's nine or ten, if that. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is that Justin's, like, age feels different depending on what part of the story you're looking at. Especially at the beginning, he feels like nine at most. And then yeah. by the end, he's plausibly in his teenage. Hmm? I, is... I don't remember if her age is, was ever explicitly said anywhere. I would believe that there's data books that say that, it's not, that she's 29. <laughs> I want to say that I looked at the Japanese manual. For... Well, that'd be fair. Just another, oh my goodness, she's 29. Look, she can't do anything else with her life now. <laughs> on, the, on the bright side, like, Lily is usually portrayed more as chooses not to do other things. Because, I mean, there's also the weird implication, if you follow that to its logical conclusion, that she was a famed pirate captain by 15. <laughs> Theoretically possible. Likely? No. Not not in the slightest, but that's not well, what I mean, you came here for. <laughs> her... Her son saves the world before that age. I mean, why can't she be a pirate captain? World savior pirate this captain. Universe are, I guess people Listen. in this universe are really young. They, they Except for the early. rabbit man. He's super old. Oh, the, the village chief. Yeah. And I don't remember how old everyone was. Gadwin. I always just assumed Gadwin was the same as as his level, 30. <laughs> <laughs> Milda, you're probably thinking? Oh, Liette. Uh, she's like a thousand. <laughs> Right, because she she's of an ancient that watches or an ancient that watches is exempt from. The she's age. not even of the ancient race. She just watches for the ancient. <laughs> I think she implies there's been a bazillion Liete before, so she might actually just be a normal age. But... Anyway, these are just details. Uh, Dave, sounds like you've got the story. Take it away. Uh, story. Uh, protagonist Justin is a young boy that wants to go on adventures and does. <laughs> Until the second half, that's it. <laughs> And and that works quite well for the first half. It he just yeah. wants to adventure. I think that it's a game that really focuses more on its world than its narrative and allows its narrative to be very episodic and that makes the world more feel more worth saving at the end because like you've seen all these really exciting places and weird like different people. Yeah, I, I can definitely mm-hmm. mesh with that about the story because I, I have to admit, I don't really remember the overall plot of this game. I played it in like around the 2000s and I, I, I know more, a lot more about two than one, I can tell you that. And it wasn't because it was a bad game, it's just because I found the plot to be kind of forgettable. It's all about the world and the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, part, part of that I would see environment. Yeah, and also I remember marveling at this when the switch version came out was because i was really looking at it again was that the game is super reactive in terms of like anytime you trigger a plot flag you've probably got the whatever towns are available will probably have new dialogue that reflects what's changed which still rare today (laughs) yeah true hey we're not talking legend of heroes level but i mean the towns were pretty yeah (laughs) Yeah, and the towns were pretty small, bite-sized. You know, there was always an inn. There was always the general store. And then it was always like, you know, this house one, this house two, this house three. And then there was always something you had to do with the village elder or the temple or the church or something. I mean, these things were not gigantic. I One thing, you know, playing so many Dragon Quest games before I came into this, this was my first 3D game I ever played. Okay. And I bounced off it kind of hard. I actually never owned a PS1. So like this and Dragon Warrior 7, I got in like 2003 
um, and I had this a little bit earlier, and I picked it up. I'm like, oh my gosh, things are spinning. What are what? What? I had a hard time to put it down and be like, I can't beat this. Got a little strategy guide for the first, uh, the very first opening scene is you're trying to find all the legendary equipment, but you're a little kid and you're running around finding like a pot lid to be a shield, the, he- the legendary shield, and you know the wooden sword is the sword of legends and everything. Which was great then later on when you actually had to find the Sword of Legends or whatever they called it in this game. Spirit Sword. Yeah, the Spirit Sword. But they, yeah. Uh, so right away, I mean, and honestly, this and Dragon Warrior 7, I think, are the only PlayStation 1 3D polygon games I've ever played. I missed a whole era. I missed a whole era. <laughs> Some stuff worth going back to, but probably fair. I do think that that opening is actually kind of interesting because it seems to exist to make sure that you understand how the camera system works because there's several pieces, of, several items you have to find that require you to spin the camera enough to see them. Yeah, I was definitely I was definitely taken aback by just how huge that first town actually is. Parm might actually be the largest town in the game. <laughs> I was going to say, everything else seems smaller after that. And playing Grandia 2 right now, it, everything is smaller than that. Oh, that every town in Grandia 2 basically is like two screens maximum. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a lot of running around. That the very opening of that game was like, okay, so this is what PlayStation One games are for now. There's a lot of, it's a lot, a lot of space. <laughs> you move a lot faster than most PS One RPG protagonists, so it kind of works. But, <laughs> uh, I do, so, yeah, I do also. Oh god. I was gonna say there, the first half of the game is just going on adventures. You go on adventures around your hometown. You cross the sea because you know. This is a small town. You got to go across the, this. This is the old continent. You need to go to the new one. You got to go to the new continent. Yeah, go to the new world, man. There's um, a big wall there that people assume has nothing behind it. Exactly. <laughs> I, I did love crossing the sea when you have the uh, stowaway and you have to swab the deck to pay off your. Oh, the deck hat. swabbing mini game. Oh, God. that was. <laughs> it just seemed to never end. There's a lot of very cute sprites in that that are basically only used for that deck swapping mini game. <laughs> but it does remind me of like the game. The game's part of the game's charm is that like a lot. There's a lot of clever sprite animation that you wouldn't see in a 3D game at the time. Uh, it was it was very clear that game arts had a lot of experience with 2D art and less so with 3D art. So they kind of played to their own strengths. But it also, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, just to dial back into another thing that I think really makes the simple characterization work is the weird dinner conversation system that oh, the game yeah. uses to modulate pace a lot. Uh-huh. So and like, that can that continues through the series, too. Yeah, that's like a trademark of the series, and I'm always sad that other games don't steal it. <laughs> I like, I, I'm going to do a controversial opinion here. I like that um, dinner system a lot more than the skit system. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't interrupt the gameplay, and you could, you know, talk as much as you want, and then once you're all done, you leave and not have to worry about it. It also doesn't have like Byzantine unlock conditions. Yeah. Yeah, basically, anytime you get to a new town or your guys are walking through large amounts of fields and are like, we need to camp for the night, um, or like I said, the first time you get to a town and you're at the inn for the first time, you'll see your players sitting around a table, sitting around the campfire, and they're eating, and you have a cursor that you can put on each one, and you can kind of freely pick any which way, and the conversation kind of goes pretty good. Um, 
if you pick someone enough that they start repeating stuff, you know to pick somebody else. But yeah, like you said, um, there's a lot of times that I've accidentally clicked out of it. Because if you go back to um, Justin in one or the main protagonist in the other, sometimes it's ready to end, but you can still get more flavor text from them. Yudo in two, and mm-hmm. it's um, what's Yuki. his name? In Yuki. Yuki. See, he was so memorable. <laughs> and then it was uh, Luke Skywalker in Extreme. No, it wasn't. No, no. Mark Hamill does not voice Evan. I think Evan is his name. <laughs> Evan with... It's got two ends. <laughs> Evan. Because it's extreme. Oh, man. Evan with the hair... With the haircut... The flatheads. Glinda of Oz. <laughs> Let's not overshoot ourselves. We've still got a bit more Grandia one. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, so... It, it, the, the talking was always pretty cool. And, yeah, you could end it early. But it gave a lot of nice little flavor text. They would talk about stuff from their history. You know... It, just stuff that there's no other place for it to really come up and just like correct. everyone having an opinion on how things are going. Mm-hmm. There's a really good section when you get to the aforementioned giant wall that everyone assumes nothing has behind <laughs> where like you spend like three days climbing that and everyone gets progressively more depressed at dinner each day. Cause it's just like, maybe this wall just doesn't stop. Maybe it just keeps going forever. <laughs> <laughs> and it does feel like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. How old were the the three female lieutenants supposed to be? They're fifteen as well. Of course. That's why you only see them in their underwear in the uh, locker room, not anything more. Man, my remember my yes. first playthrough of this. Those lieutenants got on my nerves so bad. I don't know what it was about them that just annoyed me. Well, and it, 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 they're obviously meant to be that way. They're the what is it? They're like three schoolgirls that are in charge of an army battalion. And they act the part. Yeah. They're weirdly, like, visually, like, an evil take on the Magic Knight Ray Earth protagonist. But... I'll give them this. They're jokes when you fight them early on, but when you fight them as a as a trio later in the game, they actually put up a good fight. You gotta be careful. The green-haired one has nerve gas for some reason. <laughs> that is actually a huge problem, because that just puts the entire party to sleep. That's uh... not what Nurse does. Well, guess what? We're in JRPG town, and we don't want to deal with long-term <laughs> debilitation. And I love how they're always yeah, there, wanna, you know. We don't want to have you need to, to plunge a hypodermic heart to stop your gas. They put That's it in balloons. True. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're an odd set of characters because they, they never develop, like, they never develop a long-term grudge. They just dislike the protagonist. So, like, <laughs> when the plot kind of moves them out of the antagonist role, they still don't like the protagonist, but they don't care enough to do anything. Yeah, they're not really, like, inherently evil. It's just, they're like... They're just mean. Yep. They're, they're, they're mean girls that have been given an army battalion. You know. Maybe that's why I didn't like them. <laughs> they're, they are... If you don't like them, they are working as intended. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> They're, you know, they they fit their purpose in the story, and they also they they exist to contrast uh, Mullins, uh, aide de camp, uh, Lean, who is spoilers. So they needed like a much they needed a ruder set so that the standoffish Lean seems nicer by comparison. Oh, we, we we don't we don't worry about spoilers in this. I know, I know. And I then, just uh, wasn't ready to dive that far into the plot. <laughs> there's General Ball, who's evil, and you don't see a whole lot of I can't believe it. with a name like General Ball that he would be like that. I know. And in the Japanese, which is what I played, he was voiced by Norio Wakamoto. He never played characters. He does do a good evil ham, though. He does. And I like it. <laughs> yeah. 
That does that does make me wonder. Like I, the Switch version lets you switch to Japanese voice acting, but my nostalgia was too powerful, and I listened mostly to the English voice acting, except for a few sections. Ah, yes, which has many samples on audio. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird because like the the tragedy here is that I think that the voices are generally well cast, but they're given basically no direction, so they always sound confused about what is <laughs> what they're supposed to be voicing. Yeah. But what you're going to do if you pick up any modern version, which is to say either <laughs> Switch or Steam, uh, well, you can switch to Japanese if it destroys your ears too much, which is nice. You can even switch to text Japanese. Yeah, which is weird because for a long time they kept saying they weren't releasing that version in Japan. <laughs> Not sure if they ever doubled back on that. You're probably going to mention it throughout this. You know what? Noriyuki Iwadare writes Boris. Oh, God, oh, yes. Man. I love uh, all the screaming guitars and power metal. And it's not just the battle theme. The battle theme are awesome. But there are a lot of other Farewell to remember that one. Be oh, very, yeah. very, because unusually, it's actually... <laughs> it was, it's always very economical with how it uses uh, that kind of track. But, I mean, it's always very clever. And, you know, it's always well used, well utilized. And it even works in the game because Sue has been with you for a long time at that point. Saying goodbye to her means that somebody you just put a whole lot of time into. Yep. Yeah. Uh, One of the most effective eight-year-olds I've ever had in a game. And I was going to say, they do a really good job of writing her out because, <laughs> you know, she's an eight-year-old. And about halfway through the game, you get to a point where she just, like, falls down. And they're like, oh, my God, is she poisoned? Is she dying? Is she this? She's that. And then it turns out she's just exhausted. Doctor's like, no, she's an eight-year-old. Yep. Like, she's been doing too much. Again, she's not going to tell you that she is because then you. I was confused about Sue's relation to Justin because in the beginning of the game, she calls uh, Justin's mom Aunt Aunt Lily. It's a familiar sort of. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah, they're they're not related. It's just yeah. And at the point childhood she, friends. The, yep. the conclusion I remember also charming was mostly visual. Picked it up even through the Japanese. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sue, Sue's grown up, and now Justin and his kids are bursting out because there's they're such terrible parents that they've decided to dump them all on her. What a great <laughs> what a great thing to do. They're they're coming along. We just don't get to see them. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh man, it's that that section is great, and also just seeing. Like, you know that it's been lo- a long time because Sue's talking about it, and also she's clearly, like, an adult by that point. But at the same time, like, you get to a realization of how long it's been when Justin and Fina's army of children come off the boat. <laughs> there's, like, six kids there. It's like, what, Oh, there's what a lot of been... kids. <laughs> yeah, that well, you know what they've been doing. I know. It's just I thought you were adventurers. <laughs> how are you managing that? That drove me crazy when I beat the game because it's like, Wow, your kids just look just like you. They're many. all they're children. Right, and they're all like them, but five-year-olds. Little just, yeah. <laughs> like, almost as if they just, like, shrank the actual character sprites. They are unique sprites, but they're very okay. drawn to be similar. And see, even Mike got that, because in any language, you know that that's his kids. These aren't like, hey, we adopted a bunch of random kids. These are their kids. Listen, the hat is genetic. <laughs> No, but circling back to Sue for a minute, um, in the plot, when you get to the point where she leaves, there was a pretty significant part, because they're not over the wall yet. They haven't done this whole, we got to get over the wall no, part. No, that's after the wall. Was it after? Oh, yeah, it was after the wall. It wasn't over the ocean, because now they got to yeah, get to the they're just about the to go across the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they find, what is it, is it an item or something, a transporter that can only be used once. And they know, like, well, we could take this to go where we need to go, all the way across the ocean or something. 
And then Justin's like, no, we're going to send Sue back home. So you've been doing this whole quest to get this one item to get you where you need to get to. And, you know, they kind of, I mean, they play it off as pretty significant that they use its one-time use not to do what the plot needs them to do, the world-saving, whatever. But, Sue, head home. Go on home, and then we'll find some other way to get across the ocean that no one's got yeah. across that anyone's ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I just hit a part in Grandia, too, that I'm like, wait a minute, they're using the same plot structure about going across the ocean again. Hey, and oceans almost, are big. Oceans are po- important. Uh, the, the plot plays out almost the exact same, down to like the scene with Ryudo and uh, the girls, and in this one it's Justin and Fina. Yeah, yeah. It's a good excuse to isolate them so that they can kind of nudge that plot forward. Yes. That's when the, that's around the point where like Sue goes away. So they, so they have to like, she exists in the plot structure as essentially Justin's minder as like the person who has to be like, no, that's stupid. We're doing this or that. Uh, And since she goes away, Justin has to sort of one, go through a plot where he's even dumber than he's ever been before. And then two, improve afterwards. Uh, and so that's sort of the point that they used to do that. Which, eh, good plot structure, I guess. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it was nice to have them. The, the scene on the boat is pretty good, or the scene where they're uh, talking on the, uh, is it on the dock and the lights are in the sky? Yeah, that that's the... a little before the boat. Uh, mm-hmm. the, that's right after the volcano, I think. You go to a lot of places. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot, yes. And that's not yeah. even the bigger continent there with the large town. Mm-hmm. ends up playing near the end yeah yeah but yeah i guess i guess to sort of nudge where the plot actually ends up going uh the primary party uh picks up a actually at the time oh no <laughs> an actually uh already famous adventurer named fina who kind of exists to be someone who actually knows what they're doing and also ends up taking the heroine role. And then there's a lot of meandering and misadventures until you climb over the wall. Uh, Climb over the wall, more meandering and misadventures, uh, and that's the first time you actually have to do something heroic because an entire town nearly gets destroyed by poison rain. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) poison rain. Uh, And then that takes us to the uh, actual main plot because once that wraps up here at disc two where the entire world starts getting destroyed by an evil monster. Oh, no. You're shocked. I know. I mean, yeah. th- this was groundbreaking at the time. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's it turns things to stone. There's a really nightmarish scene where someone shows you a village that got turned to stone 10 years ago and mentions how they keep going back to, like, polish the the stone version of their parents and they've polished them so much that they just look like eggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's a really bizarre, like, huh, well, that that's kind of low-key horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> just a bit. And right there, you know, like I said, I played all of two PS1 games. Dragon Warrior 7 had that, too, with the town that had been turned to stone by rain, and then when it you fix that's it like all... like the one thing you don't fix. It's yeah, like nobody's around because they've eroded too long. Kind yeah. of that same. So yeah, that that gave me that See, connection. I was, thinking, I was thinking about the scene in Dragon Quest Seven about the robot that kept feeding its master soup, and the the, the mm. master was just bones at that point. Mm-hmm. That was my nightmare fuel. So yeah, so Grandi has kind of got that going with that too, where you know these people that can't let go of their stoned families. 
Yeah. But in general, like, because it takes so long to start getting serious, like, you kind of take it more seriously when it does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it works. That's, uh, throughout this point, you're being chased by the Garlisle forces, which is where, like, General Ball and Colonel Mullen and all these, like, army, aforesaid army people are from. Uh, they've been going around the world trying to find chunks of an item that, uh, a spirit stone... And they keep finding bits of it, but they can't find the last bit. Turns out the protagonist has had it the entire time. Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Exactly what you expect to happen happens, but in a charming way. That's Grandi in a nutshell, actually. Exactly what mm-hmm. you expect to happen happens, but in a charming way. Yeah, I mean, even, um, what is it, Mullen falling in love with... Lean. Lean, that's it. And, you know, in the end, he sacrifices so that you guys can, you know, you've been, he's been your antagonist for a bit but he kind of sees the evil behind him up the chain of command. Yeah, there's an interesting point at the end of the game where, like, General Ball, uh, like, is essentially merged with the weird Eldritch Abomination that is the source of conflict here that's turning every... that's, like, sucking the life out of everything. Mm -hmm. And Mullen stages essentially, like, a military coup. So, like, you and the military are both trying to destroy Ball, but you're trying to do it in different ways. And so it kind of moves the plot into like the, uh, you know, it's, it's a very optimistic game. So it becomes like a question of like the military's very hardline, like sacrificial stance versus the protagonist groups, like very uh, optimistic. If we just believe hard enough, we'll make it work. So, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, pretty much. And teamwork does make the dream work. Everything resolves happily, except for Ball, who doesn't deserve a happy ending. So it's actually all happy. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really easy to sum up, but like it it loses a lot without the telling. So, but we haven't even touched on the battle system, the thing that's and famous. That's, <laughs> oh yes, yes, that's the big thing. I should probably say that uh, when I got to the final boss, I was kind of surprised that it only had nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine HP. Yeah, because I had been I had pretty much maxed everybody's skills and spells by that point, so I kind of blew through it. <laughs> Oh, that does remind me of something that irked me that the Switch version finally fixed. There's a giant bug in the PS1 version that essentially guarantees that no rational human being will ever get Fina's last spell. Because the way that you get spells in the game, uh, I guess this will eventually dovetail into the battle system. Get Use spell to get spell. Uh, uh-huh. The more you use a given school of magic, the more you gain levels in that magic. Uh, Fina's last spell is supposed to happen when you get, like, level 30 fire. It, it doesn't do that in the PS1 version. It requires level 99 fire. Oh, jeez. It is indescribable how much you would have to grind to ever even come close to getting that. And so, I, in, until the Switch version came out and corrected that bug, I would be shocked if greater than like a dozen players of the English version got that spell legitimately. You would you would be spending more time grinding than it takes to finish the game. Oh, yeah, definitely. That I mean, you, I, you finish this Probably game in the 30s times, or 40s. The game's like 30 hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it took me something like 60 to 70 on the Saturn because I, I was I was not blasting because I actually had to try and use it in order mm-hmm. to grinding them up because it's fun. 
Oh yeah, I have oh. I have like very specific grind points, like especially for healing magic, you can get that to ridiculous levels and just make the rest of the game complete cake uh, about five hours in if you feel like having a breezy playthrough of the game. Because raising healing magic also gives you plus two HP every time you raise a level, and this is a game where your maximum plausible amount of HP is about like three hundred. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's fun. Mean... It's fun to use all those spells. They're fun. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not even the spells, it's the different weapons, because what, everybody can equip two, three different types of weapons. Yeah, somewhere between one and three. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's that same thing. The more you use a sword to attack, the more your sword level goes up, or the more your axe level goes up. And you can, I like how you can see, like, where you're going to get new skills. Like, mm-hmm. you can see the next skill there, you don't know what it is, but you can see it's got little sword with a 17 next to it, and a fire with a 23, and I'm like, oh my gosh, for like the next two hours, all I'm going to use is sword and fire attacks because my gosh, I want to unlock that. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Yeah, they're also generally pretty clever about like trying to guide the player to use different kinds of weapons because like the more like weapon weapon EXP is weighted against the strength of the enemy compared to your weapon level. So like, of course, if you just use sword over and over, you will brute force that up faster, but you can get a lot of like axe and mace levels or knife or whip or whatever, all those, any of those weapons, they'll get a lot more levels if you're swapping them around. And so usually to try to convince you to do that, the game will give you an upgrade for one of your weapon types for each character, but not all of them, Mm -hmm. which uh, until you're, you know, a few hours in and it starts like leaving that sort of decision to the player. But early on, it's like trying to sort of trick you into (laughs) using all the weapon types try this all out yeah oh gosh i remember like i just love all the little details like that like being able to see a sword level and a fire level and a water level and this and trying to get as quickly as i could through collecting mana eggs because yeah i got really obsessed with optimizing mana eggs (laughs) (laughs) there are precisely enough mana eggs in the game to give every character who can get magic every type of magic that's not always optimal (laughs) no yeah because there's what four different magic types yeah there are four magic schools and like this this entire system is very strange you find mana eggs in the uh, game world and then you go to a magic shop and you can exchange one mana egg for one school of magic and then from there on like a mana egg does nothing for that character for that school. You only use them to buy each school of magic for each character. And I think each character started out with like one or two schools of magic. After the beginning, Justin and yeah. Sue both start out with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I know I went, um, and I think I might even heard you say this on Q&A Quest. The last time I played was when the Switch port came out back in October. Mm-hmm. And I definitely went through the, there's some optional dungeons in a desert two-thirds of the way through the game yeah there was soldier's graveyard and a couple others they're really brutal yeah there was i went through the haunted house one yeah that's the only one that like i would recommend like a non like challenge run player make the attempt on yeah that one i could i don't know i don't know if i actually beat the boss there you don't necessarily have like that's the thing is that you can get the rewards without killing the boss and it's a very small area relative to like the soldier's graveyard is one of the longest dungeons in the game and all the rewards are garbage (laughs) was there a mana egg in the soldier's graveyard like very early i don't believe so no okay well i I, I in the castle of dreams though yeah 
Yeah, that's why I, I remember. That's why I spent time in there. I wanted to get that mana egg. I wanted to have my characters maxed out as early as possible. Yeah, because that's. I think that's probably the fastest that you're going to get, like the fourth school of magic for Rap, mm-hmm. who's your third actual permanent party member. This is another like weird quirk of Grandia One. It's that like you get a lot of characters for very short periods of time, or like a character will like. Like that's that's kind of a thing with a lot of RPGs, especially at the time, was that like a character would join and they wouldn't really be trying to do the same thing as the other characters, but they would stick around. Whereas in Grandia, like a bunch of characters join to do something, but then once their thing is done, they're like, okay, well this was fun. Let me know if you need me again, and then they leave. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a bunch of you've got several rotating uh, characters. Some sometimes there's at least one character that only shows up for a single dungeon. So. It, it, it's interesting. It's the game tries to compensate you for characters that leave permanently that uh, that were uh, that soaked up a bunch of weapon and magic exp. But I've definitely met people who get a little upset <laughs> about losing a character they'd invested a lot into and only getting uh, half of their exp as an item that can be used on other characters. Yes. Yeah. See, I, I wasn't upset by it, but it it, it was like, well, that was a waste. <laughs> it sort of reminded me of Final Fantasy with how that last slot through the game was always kind of open for who the party well, member of the week was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, variously throughout the game, it's occupied by uh, Gadwin, Milda, uh, Guido, and maybe... And uh, it finally gets properly filled near the end by Lieta. But Yeah, as for the actual combat as opposed to the things outside it uh it's cool to be able to tell an enemy to just stop whatever they're doing and that's kind of the basis of the combat yeah it's atb basically and but you can see all your characters on the bar and all of the enemies yeah like everyone's sharing there's a communal bar and you can see what everyone's doing Mm mm-hmm and there's a certain point in the bar, about eighty eh, percent of the way through, where you make your you you select your action, and everything freezes, and you select your action. And at that point, depending on how many skill points you've dropped in this stuff or whatever, then they start performing the action. But being able, uh, you've got so the combo attack, which is you hit a cup usually hit a couple times for weaker attacks. You've got the larger attack, which can stop enemies from what they're doing, especially if they're in that zone where they're starting to cast their spell or they're starting to do their skill. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got items, which usually happen pretty quickly. And Items are nearly instantaneous, the same with uh, combo attacks. Criticals mm-hmm. take a little longer, but they're still pretty instant. And then uh, special attacks are dependent on weapon levels, and magic attacks are dependent on magic levels, depending on the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah i mean it's you can try to take on some pretty high level people as long as you're dedicated to canceling their attacks quite often you know you can get through battles with them attacking very infrequently yeah especially because like the of course like their strongest attacks are always the ones that they're going to take forever to actually do Mm -hmm. so uh a lot of enemies are sort of balanced around the idea of if you get hit by this, you deserve what happens. <laughs> and it's just like, just make sure that uh, you've got other ways you can affect uh, when you'll next get a turn. If you see an enemy is about to make a choice, uh, but you don't know what it's going to do, defending is also a decent option because you will get your next turn much faster. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, like, 
you know, the game really encourages you to just keep track of what the enemy is doing and know what attacks you're willing to tank and what attacks you really don't want them to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it all plays out, you know, you're running around the battlefield. The battlefield is 3D. Um, you've got spells and attacks with circular area effects, with straight line area of effects, you know, ones that attack everybody, ones that obviously just attack one person. And I mean, everybody's moving around at all times. It's I, I've been frustrated and I found it funny sometimes where, you know, you pick an attack and you're like, yeah, I'm going to nail them right but you see your guy running over there and somebody else moves in the way and you get caught up on them and you can't get to go do that. Yeah, you can't path out. And like eventually your character runs out of movement and you just get these anime sweat drops coming out of them. Yes, you do. <laughs> They're like, oh man, I guess I couldn't get that. And you've basically lost your attack. So there's a, lo there's a little bit of tactical... I mean, that doesn't happen too often, I would say. It, the areas are quite large, but yeah, it, it, it's neat. It's, it's a lot for that time early 2000s and i mean even today i thought it held up playing it earlier this year or last year yeah and then there's also like you'll run into situations where it's like uh, a lot of enemies will have uh, area of effect attacks that hit relatively small places so they'll have like abilities they can use that just draw the party into a small area so like you end Gravity. up like yeah uh there's i think the first one that does it is the giant squid early in the game where it just like sucks everything right next to it and it's like you don't want to like, it's useful if you just want to start wailing on it, but at the same time, uh, you you don't want most of your party to be all bunched up there, because then it's going to do an area of effect attack that just kills everyone. I think the only modern RPG that I've seen do anything like this is kind of the uh, Trails games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trails games definitely are good about that. Um, I, I've got to say, like, this... I was playing this game when I was getting kind of disillusioned about RPGs because just getting kind of bored with them at that point. And the battle system in this game just kind of revitalized that kind of that good feeling of going through a battle and not getting hit or getting that delay on that enemy. And it, it really forced you to pay attention to the battles and just sitting there and mash, you know, reading a magazine and mashing the A button. And I appreciate oh, that. I think one of its best advantages is that like. If you know how to finish a battle in Grandia, it is not a long fight. Yeah. Like you can you can understand the battle system well enough that like if the if the battle is no longer strategically relevant, the battle is probably already done. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's oh, a I've fairly got... quick system. Yep, I've gotten to the point, and I think it's it, it, you could talk about the series wide, but I'm playing through Grandia two now, and I'm nearing the end game that I've got people's spells where i want each person has a spell whether it's the line or the area and, it, and you can do this in the first grandia you can sneak up behind enemies because they're all walking around on the field and if mm -hmm. you approach them from behind you start way forward on the action bar than they do um and vice versa and i will say that's one thing about this game you don't want to get snuck up on battles can go very differently um if you get that first attack i was able to mainly at this point in grandia 2 and enough once i got far enough in grandia one i could get going and whoever went first could tack it could usually use a spell that would knock 60 to 80 percent damage off and then it was just mop-up duty and maybe i'd get attacked one two three times by you know four or five enemies tops hmm. whereas if they go first the battle's twice as long because then they're moving all around they're not starting in one set line it's a big difference to having all four, because I, I think you can get up to six or eight enemies 
in a battle at once. I know at least six, but you have six people all in one area and you can cast fire or wind or whatever right in the middle of this green. It's a whole lot different when all six of those are surrounding you. You get to hear and, the lovely voice clips. Oh, yes. Another series uh, staple. Burn to a crisp. Depending uh, on the spells you use, everybody's got little things that they yell out. Yeah, they usually have two or three, uh, and you will get sick of all of them, but they're also yes, burned know. into my brain. Oh, fire, burn them! <laughs> oh, wind, blow them away. Now fear my arctic... Oh, wait, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> same league, same tier. Yeah, yeah. They sound slightly less bored than now fear my arctic blast. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think this is something we're going to say a lot throughout the whole thing. The battles are just good. They're rewarding. That, like you said, if you're paying attention, they you you have a lot of rewards for that. You can end those battles very quickly, strategically. And if you're not paying attention and just button mashing, whatever. They do have AI. I can't really say I've used it more than a. If I cast a spell, knowing it's going to do like 80% of the damage to everybody, I'll turn on the AI for the you know, three hits of bump-up duty sometimes. The AI is basically never smart enough to be worthwhile. No, no. I mean, and I, I don't think I've ever used anything other than, was it Playfair is the default one, and yeah, all they do is just go whack them with their normal combo attack. <sighs> but... Another thing I like about this game is that, uh, you know, in RPGs you had been trained to the beginning just, like, save your special attacks for the bosses. And in this one, it really encourages your special attacks. Mm -hmm. Yes, I could say this series is probably the one that I use magic and the special attacks the most in. You have different gauges. You have an SP gauge for that. Um, oh, Grandia 1, definitely different from the other ones. You had different MP pools. For different oh yeah, each of level of spell has a different MP pool for some reason. Yeah. So it, it's almost like the MP system combined with Final Fantasy One slash Dungeons and Dragons system. Like it's like it can't decide if it's MP or Vancian casting, and it's made this very <laughs> strange middle ground. Yeah, like oh, well, I've got eighty MP for my level three spells, but I'm out of MP for my level one, so I guess I can't cast heal. I do appreciate that you've. Uh, described a situation that no human being has ever been <laughs> like i don't think there's a level one spell that costs more than five mp it's almost impossible to run out but it's especially it gets really silly near the end of the game where it's like ah level one heal costs one mp will not mm -hmm. heal me nearly enough but i mean and then uh, the other silly part is you don't get to really use the adva at least in the first game you can't use your advanced ones that much because they all cast not unless you're a psychopath like me who grinds the water magic <laughs> at the beginning so there's that yeah because i mean you may have like 90 mp in each of these categories although they do scale up um or they inversely scale up scale up it, it's basically have... that every time you level up in magic you have a you will gain 2 mp from random spell pool mm -hmm. and you are more likely to get lower level mp than higher level mm -hmm. so unless you're dave you're going <laughs> to you, you aren't going to see a lot big... of like <laughs> you're going to want to use that big fire attack but you're only going to be able to cast it once or twice now, then you can start casting your middle fire attack a few times, and then your lower fire attack a bunch, but... It, Listen, you gotta it, earn Dragon Zap. <laughs> dragon. So, I mean, 
you've always got a spell that you can cast. It probably just won't be your big ones after a couple turns. Unless you're, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's it's a flawed system. It's kind of cute. I don't think it really works, which is part of why it's absolutely abandoned after the first one. Correct. Yeah, it it, it was a it, it's definitely a different thing. I think that's the weakest point of the whole battle system. I love that battle system. I I put Grandia in my top three series ever, and this battle system is my number one favorite turn-based, easily. Yeah, hmm. I, I am upset that mo- not more RPs uh, cop from this battle system, how fluid it is. Mm-hmm. I, I would say a lot of my love for Legend of Heroes comes because the battle system is 60, 70, 80% like Grandia. Hmm. I to chime in constant surprise in the first half of the cuts. <laughs> surprise battle music. oh man it's really good it's, it's like a it's a great sound it's great because it's a different battle song that makes it sound much more like oh no things are not going well for you not the uh not the i've regular battle theme first half of the game is bad at all i really like to be taken by surprise one and it always gave me extra incentive things not be able to get out of it without taking all hits he would have the jump on me i was gonna say no wonder you played 70 to 80 hours <laughs> I, I did appreciate also there's almost every time you switch screens or like every t- two times you switch screens throughout dungeons and everything, there's a lot of healing points. And that also encouraged me to use more spells, use more special attacks. Like in Dragon Quest games, you better save every ounce of MP for the boss at the end. Whereas Grandia, right before you get to the end of the dungeon, there's a healing and restore point. Oh, yeah, because all save points are heal points in Grandia yep. 1. Mm-hmm. And there was, I think, just one battle near the end, near the end. One of the ones with Ball coming towards the end. There was a place where that didn't happen, or you had two battles back-to-back, and that's, I, I know I lost, because <laughs> I was never trained in Grandia 1 to save my MP or anything. Just go all out. It's a boss battle. You win, and then whatever. But then there was one that, Yep, yeah. There's one definitely that has either back-to-back or maybe just a short corridor with half a dozen battles, but even those, I've always been trained to just go out in the random battles, too, because don't worry, you'll you'll heal up before the boss. And we didn't even talk about the compass navigation, which I appreciated, because, you know, it, it, with that, it's pretty much impossible to get lost in dungeons, and you're really in court, encouraged to just go out of your way to explore and find stuff. Yeah, you can always know, like, well, is this going to take me forward? Well, what does the compass say? The compass points me forward, so... The, the only sucky thing is accidentally bumping the L button with your gear. <laughs> suddenly going backwards to <laughs> yeah. have a dungeon. Yeah, there's a compass on the screen that can always point you to the next exit point, but like you said, you can always have it point to go back, and if you're not paying attention to which one it's on, <laughs> you might be getting yourself turned around. It's and... also useful in new towns because it'll you can set it to point you to any of the like major, like the shops or the inn. I mean, I will and say... Able... Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, it's nice, it's not always perfect, because, you know, you have mazes, and it's like, you know, go west, and you walk over, and you can't go west, because you have to go north and east, and then north again, and a little bit west, and then south, and then north, and, you know. It really but... exists to help make sure you have your bearings of where you should be headed, rather than telling you how to get there. Yeah, because yeah. once again, this is a 3D game, it's early on in the PlayStation, and there's no maps. You don't have a map of the area, so... Yeah, there's all these weird, like points you'll find on the map that just exist to give you a bird's eye view and then mm-hmm. like well that's it that's what you get to see about the area <laughs> yeah i mean i'll say i made my way 80 percent through the game okay but there was 
a couple that even going back to it, I'm like, holy cow, where am I going? There was one with warp points that I was later on that was just mystifying. Every time I recommend the game to a friend, there is one dungeon that invariably they choke up on. And it's the one after you find like the weird horned kid uh, when you're trying to like find an herb to heal him. And like it's in Phoenix backyard, basically, but mm. her backyard is a giant maze and you aren't <laughs> looking for an exit point. So the compass can't help you. And so you yeah. just have to like wander around this giant circular maze until you've run into the right herb. And it just every every person I've ever recommended the game to get stuck on that for at least an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember if the PlayStation had this, but on the Switch version, it let you press the select button to get a bird's eye view. Does the older one still have that? It might. I've never pressed the select button even once. Okay. I was going to say, that just totally blew me away. Because <laughs> I, like, just running around in that first town and playing the Switch version, I was, like, getting really lost and kind of having trouble getting my bearings. And as soon as I figured out that I could press the select button to get a bird's eye view, maybe it was just in towns? That might be possible. I'll have to boot it up and check. But... Yeah. Yes, I I have no memory of that. That's I feel really silly if that's the game. I, I would too. <laughs> I just played this game for forty hours. A few I played ago. this game like five times. <laughs> I honestly don't remember it being in the PlayStation version, but like I said, it's been a hot minute since I played the PlayStation version. Yeah, I've still got I, several I copies of the PS One version it's lying the, around. That is one of my only two PS One games I have. Then again, I only played two, so I'm surprised I kept it. <laughs> Grandia, I remember I got it for Christmas, the same Christmas that I got Final Fantasy VIII, expecting to care more about FF8, and you'll never guess which one I care more about. <laughs> oh, you uh, weren't down with the Squall? It's it's not that, it wasn't that I was down with Squall, it was just, there's a lot of little things that yeah. bug me. Well, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said about this game, because, you know, this was during the time when uh, RPG protagonists just had to be jerky depressed people and getting a bunch of light-hearted kids to run around with seemed kind of nice yeah i feel i feel like grandia whether it was designed as such or not which i feel like it can't have been because it was it would have had to have been started in like 1995 but as a consequence of when we got it in like 1999 it felt like a throwback game and it felt like a really good one it was from the lunar developers and it feels like it's essentially Lunar 3 in a lot of ways. Yeah, I didn't know it was Game Arts until very recently, and when I did it, I was like, oh, that's why I got Lunar vibes from that. Yeah, sadly, so the I want to say that the uh, the Grandia like creator who passed away about 10 years ago at this point, uh, Takeshi Miyagi, was like the battle director on the Lunar games. Mm-hmm. Let's see... Uh, he's, a, he's credited as a designer on Lunar the Silver Star and a designer on Lunar 2, uh, but he's director on both Grandia 1 and... He's director on Grandia 1 and producer slash executive director on Grandia 2. And you can kind of see, like, Grandia 1's battle system is the evolution of the Lunar battle system with, like, taking into account Lunar 1 and 2's, like, interest in like range of attacks and how attacks move around but like you exploiting that in a 3d way that while adding the additional wrinkle of being able to tell what an enemy is about to do in a much more explicit fashion so 
it, it's one of those things like when you find out that they're sh- they share production, it's suddenly like a lot of thing aspects of why the game is the way that it is kind of slot into place. Uh, I, I man saying that it's basically Lunar three. It's like yeah, I'll I'll accept it in the Lunar Lunar family. I'll I'll accept this one before I accept uh, Dragon Song. I'll we tell do you not that. speak of Dragon Song, <laughs> and no one in America has ever played either version of Walking School. But, yeah, like it's. It has a lot I of those played, vibes. I played Magic School. Of course, someone did. I'm not going to say it was great, but it was better than Dragon Song. That is the most backhanded <laughs> compliment anyone has ever given anything. A yes. Tiger LCD game is better than Dragon Song. Tiger LCD game at least has an ex- <laughs> Oh, I had so many of them. They were fun. That was the that was the only way that I played Mega Man 2 for a number of because somebody gave it to me. My fa- I, my favorite Tiger handhelds are always the ones that are like of things that have no business being Tiger handhelds. Like the Castlevania Symphony of the Night Tiger handheld. It's art. I didn't know they made one of these at night. Just they like, did. It's incredible. Oh, that, that's worth a pretty penny now. <laughs> yes, it is. As as we know, Tiger Age it will play <laughs> without flaw now. Uh, but yeah, well now I'm just imagining a Grandia Tiger handheld. So it'll be more playable than Dragon Song. It would be. It would be. But yeah, Grandia. Like I mean, even when you get down to like Justin, it's kind of them moving forward with the same character archetype that both. Alex and Hero invoke of like the kind of gormless but a good guy uh, teenage boy protagonist. Uh, so yeah, you kind of see them just continuing on a straight line, and then well, Grandia Two is a big difference, and we'll see when we. <laughs> you know what? I've got a question because I, I think we are too, and I'm playing Grandia yeah. Two as we're talking about Grandia One, and since we're talking about the compass, I started paying attention to the compass. Um, I didn't realize in Grandia 2, and I don't know if Grandia 1 did it, there's a green circle on the compass that gets yeah. smaller as you get closer to your target. I believe the compass, like, arrow also spins faster. Yeah. Okay. Is there some indication in Grandia 1, then? I believe it uh, it spins faster in that one as well. All right. So, yeah, I think we're, uh, we could wrap up Grandia 1 there. I love it. In my heart, it is... Well, it's one of my favorite games ever, and I can't actually speak of it in any sort of unbiased fashion. No, I, I, I am. Which is one of the many does... reasons that that review is still not done. Wait, wait, wait! wait. I wasn't guys... even going to bring that up. Did you guys not hear that twenty-minute monologue I just did? No. Was that totally no. like? Was I totally on mute that whole time? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, you were. Yeah. No, I'm just. I okay. let y'all talk. Uh, as I said, I'm I'm super tired, but I've been listening intently, and you guys have pretty much hit all the nails on the head. Uh, so I played this way back in the day when it came out on the PlayStation, uh, and I don't remember a whole lot about the story, which might imply it's forgettable. But I am an old guy, and I played this uh, close to about 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 maybe it's uh you know I, I think you, you know whatever was new your playthrough is now old enough to drink yeah yeah <laughs> uh if you played it as an infant you can now drink uh but but you know what's interesting is while I don't remember spit or beans about the story the combat system sticks with me to this day it was just revolutionary it was just so good. Uh, you know, and you guys hit on pretty much all the, the, the nails on the head. There was just that strategy involved of, you know, seeing where you were at on the time meter, you know, when it was your turn, evaluating where the enemies are at and using that information to determine what kind of move you were going to try to take. And there was always a risk versus reward because you didn't know exactly how long you had an idea of how long some of those moves would take. Um, 
but some of them take longer than others, and that could be, you know, be, be problematic. Maybe you should have defended instead, uh, and if he's about to do a big attack. So there, it was, it was just really, really engaging. And I think what have you had pointed out that you know you got to the end and the boss was a bit of a pushover because you, you had so much fun with the combat system and leveling up that you were much more powerful than the boss. Uh, I had the same. Uh, the same pleasant problem. I, I just really, just re- really, really enjoyed it and and wanted to level up the characters and see what I'd unlock next, uh, see what moves and stuff I would unlock, let unlock, and and the combat system gave me more excuse to to do so. So, yeah, no, it's it's a really fun game, and I definitely bought the HD remake. It, unfortunately, it's a number of things that's in my backlog, but uh, I got it on I want to say GOG a while back. It's so, GOG, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I will. I do have it on my list of PC games to uh, get through. Um, but uh, and I will do it because it, it was just it was just so much fun. Uh, the comment system was so much fun. So that is a Grandia. We're going to take a break and, and we'll come back to jump into Grandia, too. So hold on tight.
And we've returned as we continue our trek through the Grandia series. Next up, we go extreme with Grandia Extreme, developed by Game Arts, published by Square Enix. This was released on the PlayStation 2 in Japan on January 31st, 2002. And it was so awesome that they brought it here to North America nine months later on September 30th, 2002. This is a single player RPG extreme experience. I yeah, just so remember getting this game and like getting through the opening tutorial and then dying and not having a save point and like, okay, I guess I'm done with this game. <laughs> wow. That's this because a, it's extreme. I was going to say, was that a rental? <laughs> no, it was a purchase. And I, I think <sighs> I only paid like 20 bucks or been cheap. Um, it was back when GameStop was just blowing out PS2 games for nothing. Mm. I don't think I ever saw this game in anything like a GameStop. It did not. It, Grandia games were not the most common things. I feel like this was the one I saw the least. <laughs> I actually bought the strategy guide for this used at a local store and they had like five of them and right away i was like oh grandi i know grandi look let me pick this up for 10 15 bucks over on okay, the shelf stream it is. yeah they had they, i had a used strategy guide for this, um which was very helpful for this because it was all about just running those same four to five dungeons over and over and over and over. Yeah, there's a reason we haven't mentioned the story, and that's because it might as well not have one. <laughs> yeah, you were some dude that got recruited by the army to go power yourself up and go into these. They're all like mines, weren't they? Yeah, like mining town, the one town. There's like a there's a there's a Mark Hamill's in it for some reason. Your character's kind of a huge dick. Lisa Loeb's in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> the the battle system I remember loving. It was a it was a great evolution. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. Would if you, you just want to play the extreme? game? Extreme. You would, Phil. A lot of the stuff you liked in Grandia Three came about because of Extreme. It's so extreme. So extreme. Um, you know, one of the most extreme things they did was take that action bar and make it an action circle. Extreme. I mean, exactly. Going from a straight line to a circle. Now, one of the extreme, extreme things is there were multiple person combos. Like Sky Dragon Slash became something like um, you needed three different people to activate it all at the same time. Extreme! There's like eight characters in this, which might actually be the most in the series. (laughs) There were more characters than there were dungeons. Oh my god. But yeah, like it's it's a dungeon crawl. I think there's it's been forever. I have not played this since like 2005. Uh, there was some sort of like the dungeons were randomized, right? No, they weren't because there's, there um, are randomized dungeons. There might have been there? randomized some randomized ones, but yeah. I know there were specific ones because I had the strategy guide, and um, this is where mana egg fusion started too, because oh, yeah. instead. Of, Instead of just getting a mana egg that had these certain spells on it, you would get the fire mana egg, and you'd get the water mana egg, and you could put them in a little machine that chugged them out, and it would pump out a new one called the Tremor one or something like that. And there was a huge synthesis tree that, you know, you could eventually get to these really awesome eggs or extract skills from one and put them on another Um and I remember following, I, I knew which, if I needed a couple more fire ones, because I think there were only like four base ones, the four base elements, like the Tremor Quake one, 
was a base one, fire, water, and wind. So you had those four base ones, and everything else could be combined to that. But you'd get down to, hey, I want this ultimate egg. Well, to make that ultimate egg, you need these two, and these two each require two other ones, and those two. So you go back up, and you need like 64, 128 eggs or whatever to get there. But I knew with the strategy guide which dungeons to go in, where to find that fire egg, and then exit in like one minute. I could get there, I could grab the egg and warp out. Go back in and get it, and if I needed six fire eggs, well, man, in under ten minutes, I could probably have six fire eggs. So that's also, I think you've outlined both what is interesting about the game and what is miserable (laughs) about it. (laughs) Yes, yes. So, I mean, there was a lot of customization, but that customization came at a cost, and that cost was time. Yeah, like, if you just want to mess around with the battle system and fuse eggs, like, you'll have a ball with this game. But you have to accept that, like, the experience is fundamentally incredibly repetitive. <laughs> and literally, that's it. You will be messing around with the battle system and fusing eggs, and that's Grandi Extreme! <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it. Like, there's some decent dungeon design. It's the first PS2 game that they've made that doesn't run like garbage. That's uh, about true. it. True. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's slightly... It might actually... Did it... When did the PS2 port of Grandia 2 actually come out? Uh, okay, let's see. In Japan, uh, February 2002, it might actually... Yeah, it predates Grandia 2's awful port in Japan. <laughs> well, you know, the fact that it was developed for the PS2 shows it. Yeah, definitely. It, You know, the graphics are a little better, um, and it. I never had a hiccup. It was butter smooth it was a nice it was a good game for that it system is, it is good at what it's trying to do it really depends on if you want what it's trying to do <laughs> yep my, my boss tells uh people all the time that come in to complain about what our school doesn't do and he's like you know what we got a donut shop we got a lot of great donuts there's a lot of different toppings in this he goes but if you want a bagel we don't have bagels we got donuts <laughs> Setting yourself up for disappointment. Yep. What it sets out to do is to be extreme, and clearly it is. Extreme! Extraordinarily extreme. Whoever says that, you know what, that RPG has an extreme storyline. Nobody. There's no extreme storyline. They have incredibly extreme (laughs) combat. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And an extremely deep and complicated crafting system. Extremely deep. But like I don't know if this was really deep, but charts. <laughs> extremely repetitive. <laughs> extremely, extremely detailed charts about how to make eggs. Yes, yes. So yeah, this is definitely one not to recommend as a series jumping off point. But if you know you like Grandia and you know you like the battle system, there's no reason not to give this a try. And Mr. I mean... Mr. Mr. Uh, Minky had to step out for a bit, uh, but if he was here, I know he would talk about this game because he did a retro review on it about ten years ago. Ooh. I like his t- I like his subtitle. Hey kids, always recycle to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, that's it. What? That's... What? He's. Uh, I, I'm interested now in this review. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I'll go right to the uh, last paragraph because that's where we usually have our, our wrap-ups there. Combat in Gradia has always been a delight and remains entertaining enough and extreme to make the game tolerable for a while. 
Preceding games of the series had a lot more variety than this one and kept showcasing new things until the end. Extreme shtick is that it's like a chair pushed back onto one leg and held in the air by someone. Eventually, the person holding the chair will get tired and one leg won't be enough to support and the whole thing falls down. Two Aww. out of five. Oh, <laughs> battle systems, four out of five originality, story, music and visuals are all two out of five. <laughs> and interaction is a one out of five. He says uh, he says under, you know, the good the good points is your combat system's fun, addictive. He says bad points, of which there are many. One save point in the entire game is a very yep. bad idea that I've apparently missed. You <laughs> Yeah, it's just like in the village. It's just like, OK, sure. In- Inventory limit is very annoying, very quickly. There's your dungeon crawler aspect right there. Yep. Magic system requires luck and lots of patience. Or a huge strategy guide, apparently. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because other than that, I think you just got the mana eggs dropped from people. And so, yeah, you have a lot of battling to do that. Uh, nothing like, uh, you know, if you're going to have randomly generated dungeons, you got to have RNG on your... Uh, you know, your mana eggs, of course. Yeah. Which, along those lines, he feels like the randomly de- generated dungeons are a negative. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, well, and, aesthetic, <laughs> and aesthetics and story are unimpressive. Um, you know, randomly generated dungeons, uh, boys and girls, you have to do those rights. I've played a lot of games. I'm a big, most people who, who listen to podcasts know I'm a, I'm a fan of roguelikes. Um, but what separates the men from the boys when it comes to these things is 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 how well do you design the random dungeon generator? You know, can can it can it put together dungeons that are that are actually unique yet fun at the same time and don't just feel like a bunch of rooms connected with a single line? I mean, that worked back in the 1980s. Um, but nowadays, people expect more out of the random generated dungeons, especially when you had, you know, a lot of games trying to emulate what uh, Diablo 2 did uh, with its random generated uh, dungeons and loot systems and stuff. And of course, that's the other that's the other wing of the plane, right? You, if you're going to have randomly generated loot, you got to make sure that system's done really well too and feels satisfying. Uh, sounds like Garandia Extreme extremely missed that those two aspects up, and that's. As- I'm gonna say if you're going in for loot and you've got a really limited inventory, that uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's rude. That is. I will, I will say that is that to me. I don't understand that with uh, the you know the Diablo dungeon crawlers because to me, out of everything that's fun about Diablo and its shootoffs or spinoffs or whatever, it, it, that is not the fun aspect of that game. I don't understand why. Diablo and games like it feel the need to give you a restrictive inventory system, yet have droop falling down like raindrops. So you have to go back to the store every five minutes. It so breaks up the pace of the game. One of the great things Torchlight uh, does in its series is you can throw that stuff onto your pet and send it to town mm-hmm. to sell that stuff for you. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of irritating to have to stop and break break up the fun and and get back to town. Especially when so much of that loot is just trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much of it's trash. And I mean, later other games gave you ways to kind of as you leveled up to filter out the lower levels of loot, so maybe you don't pick them up. But still, it's clunky solution. It's something that should just be some better designed within the game. So or give you a lot more inventory space, or make it much easier for you to sell. All of the crap easily, you know, on the go, like a button that just shifts all of my 
low-level gear to my pet and send my pet back to town done. You at, know. At, at least Diablo 3 gave you a uh, uh, the scroll of town portal just it was like permanently in a toy no matter what instead of having to budget out so many scrolls of town portal mm-hmm. the original which god I hate it. Oh yeah absolutely I'm totally with you but uh, yeah it sounds like Grandia messed up uh, doing that step on on genera- or, uh, designing those random generators well and uh, on both both the dungeons and the loot so that's, that's a shame but the combat's still extreme it is um, if you're coming for one thing you're good but <laughs> don't come in expecting anything else <laughs> one so, thing I do want to bring up just briefly is I, I am surprised to find out that uh, the that he didn't think too highly of the soundtrack, because it is still Iwadare. But I also admit that I don't remember a single track from the game, which is concerning. <laughs> well, so, uh, you know, this one, uh, this one, let me just check to see Grandia Extreme if it made its way to the PSN. And we'll double at some point, I PlayStation think. PlayStation 3. PlayStation 3, yeah. PlayStation no, it, 3. Oh, but it's out of this country. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Never mind. He, Yep, uh, PlayStation.com is having a canary. You are not in the right locale. Uh, so I'm not sure if you get. I don't. It doesn't look like you can get that easily in the U.S. So you're going to need to go and buy the disc for your PlayStation 2. You can get that used for $45. But our listeners, they demand the best. They don't want used. They want brand new in a box, right, guys? Right? Sure. Of course. Right. Why you wouldn't can- I? Why wouldn't you? And you could, you guys, our listeners at RPG Backtrack, you can get this brand new in the box for the low, low price of one hundred twenty-five dollars and ninety-five cents. Nice. That appreciated in value somehow. <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, the randomness of the game is not the only thing that's extreme. So is the price. <laughs> It did, however, have the theme of Extreme as its title track, so that's good. There you go. Uh, alrighty. Well, that that was an extreme conversation. Uh, you might want to take some extreme steps to maybe not rush to play that particular one, uh, because there's so many better games to play, like Grandia 3! Grandia 3, developed by Gay Bar, it's published by Square Enix, was released on the PlayStation 2 in Japan on August 4, 2005, North America, February 14, 2006. And uh, I think we later got like a PlayStation 3 re-release, maybe through the PlayStation Network store on July 21st, 2016. This is a single-player RPG, non-extreme experience, uh, but oh, so much fun. Oh my gosh. It's the best. Okay, maybe it's not the bestest, but take it. You know, when you're comparing it with the other Grandia, I mean, Grandia is such a great series. Uh, it's you know, it's still a great game. Yeah. Grandia three is one of those games that, in a vacuum, like, oh, this is pretty good, but it, it just disappointed me as a fan of one and two. So that's that's kind of the way you kind of look. I the lens to look at it through is that in a vacuum, it's a very good RPG. <laughs> so so yeah, let me let, let me let me do a little talk on this one because because I'm quiet and people probably think I'm don't work here anymore. Um, <laughs> don't ask Phil; he doesn't work here. I I don't. I really I really really have not been doing a whole lot of working lately. It's I mean for the site because I just been busting my ass at work. Um, the new normal at work means I work like six day work weeks and twelve hour days. But aside from that, uh, no. So I played Grandia three. Uh, well, a decade ago, give or take, and uh, you know, 
I I did not get it new. I I like bought it after it had come out and and played it. And people had warned me. People had warned me that maybe the story wasn't the best. Um, <laughs> that maybe maybe just maybe it had a few shortcomings. Now normally uh, this part of this the 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 segment we talk about the story and the characters. Listen, <laughs> there. Just, just forget about, forget about it, okay? They exist. They exist, and you don't want to know Enough about said. it. It is. I, I am the person in this group that care that that if if there's bad every time you guys are on here and you're talking about like the story and you're talking about the voice acting, you're like, oh, the story felt cliche or the voice acting was bad. To me, that that uh, you know, I never noticed those things because. I mean, to me, it's just like Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, we all know they're cheesy, but that's what I enjoy JRPGs for most of the time anyways. I don't think anything of it. It's like um, staple, staple food, right? It, it, yeah. it just, it does its job. It's it's not a gourmet. And and for me, most of the JRPGs, that's what they are. And I don't think anything, you know, to me, like most of them are like a three out of five story. You know, I, I don't think anything of it. But this one is so, so <laughs> bad. So bad, and and somehow it passes. You know, normally we say it's so bad, it's good. No, this one heads for the bleachers. Bad. The voice acting, the writing, everything is so cringeworthy. Bad. It, it's not even funny. I, I don't even think they. This is like middle school writing and voice acting. Bad. It's not I even mean, a high school somebody who graduated. No, this is going back. This is so bad and it's not even good it's not funny there's nothing redeeming ab- about this story. i tried i really tried because i was prepared like fully not so great you know i was like you know what i'm gonna have an open mind it's probably just jrpg popcorn shenanigans with a spiky hair teenage person who gets a bit on your nerves maybe a little girl sidekick that no 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 this is so bad <laughs> The only thing I remember, aside from it being horribly bad, is the fact that his mother looks like she could be his sister. Like, she, like that was one thing that stood out to me. Like, you're his mother. Wait a minute. <laughs> There's like a bit early on in the game that like I was I was replaying bits of this to try to remember more about like what was going on in the plot and like why I found it so profoundly unengaging and you're mostly right uh but the thing that struck me is like there's a bit early in the game where like one of the characters asks the protagonist why do you call your mom by her first name and he says "Uh, don't know just do and no one that's that's the best explanation they could come up with Eh. yeah (laughs) just do All you know, being that I'm from Utah, I just get those were the same age. Yeah, people being the same age as their parents, cousins, third cousins, and it just you know, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, I think one of you had pointed out earlier when we were doing the pre call discussion that on Wikipedia, uh, where someone had (laughs) taken the time out to do an entry on the story, they took like what was it, uh, four paragraphs or something like that. To get up to where the plane crashes, which happens within the first few hours, and then they had one paragraph for the whole rest of the game. Yep. It's and like, then they adventure and save the world the end. Like, the end. like the, it is three paragraphs of, like, explaining the world badly, then one paragraph <laughs> explaining the plane crash, which happens in the first 20 minutes, then... One paragraph that tries to vaguely summarize the entire game, and then a one sentence about the epilogue. It is, and, and you know what? It, it is. It is very uh, fitting, in my opinion. And that's the I way he wrote say, it out. It's the way it is, because because 
I going into this, uh, I'm a contrarian. If you you tell me something's gonna taste bad, I'm gonna try my best to like it, right? So mm-hmm. when someone's like, "You're gonna hate this story," I'm like, "Yeah, it's just JRPG shenanigans. I'm gonna love it." And I tried because I want to prove this person wrong. I tried to like the story. I gave up at the plane crashing, which again happens pretty early in the game. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, "This is so horribly bad." The voice acting makes Arkwright's Fantasia look like Broadway. It is <laughs> I wouldn't horrible. go that far. <laughs> uh, it is horrible. I like Arkwright's Fantasia. It so is horrible. Uh, but a lot of people don't, so I use that as a bad reference. I don't know why. I, I personally like, I think Arkwright's Fantasia is one of the best games ever. Uh, but it is horrible. Yeah, just horrible. Okay, so yeah, I gave up on caring about the story. And the characters and anything else uh, with the plane crash as you get probably the first quarter of the game or so. Uh, why why did I keep playing? And and the average review scores on this are like eight out of tens. Why did this game review so well when it's an RPG that is you know RPGs are known for mostly being about their stories and characters. How did it do it so well? And it comes down to the kick ass combat system. Everything that you guys have talked about, that we've talked about uh, for the last three games about how cool the combat system, just at this point, they've had uh, three other games to really fine-tune that formula and just squeeze the maximum enjoyment out of it. That's what Grandia 3 is. It is the culmination of all their experience of taking what started off as a kick-ass battle system and somehow making it better. It's so much fun. I just general made it harder. <laughs> yeah, and that helps too. I, you know, one of y'all had said, you know, back going back to like Randy One, I swear one of y'all had said that the combat system was a bit on the easy side, right? Yeah, no, it's it's not a difficult game. And yeah, like this, yeah, Grandia Three is the one that will like if you aren't actually exploiting what's unique about the battle system, it will kill you. At Grandia Two, I just made sure to fight every enemy in the straight line where I got through. And I just did the boss rush a few days ago through the end. And, I mean, I barely took hits. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I knew the system, but also you were just that powerful. And that was with no grinding. Grandia 3, you would have had to, you need to grind if you're going to do that kind of level. Yeah, like, with 3, uh, it's just set up in such a way that, like, since they know you can stop an enemy's worst attacks, they will punish you much harder if you actually don't. <laughs> Yeah, and and that makes it immensely satisfying. Like, you know, I'm playing the earlier Grandias. Like, I wanted that combat system. I wanted it to challenge me because there's so many moving pieces. And for once, we have a JRPG game with a really challenging tactical strategic uh, combat system that I can sink my teeth into. But but it's so rare outside of a few boss encounters that it really does that. But here, it it pushes you, and it's enjoyable. It's fun. And then you add into that the air combos. Oh, there's so few things in life that are as fun and satisfying as comboing your enemies. How many feet up in the air? 700? 1,000? You know, I just, it was, it just, that's what you would do, right? You do these air combos and see how far you could, it actually had a meter, right? Is, is this the yeah, same game, it, right? yep. Yeah, just so you could see how far you could, you could get them up there. I mean, that was extreme. Yeah, this should have been called three extreme because it was pretty extreme. <laughs> um, they reach a point where it's like, where like your limiting factor, if you're good enough, is well, how much health does the enemy still have? <laughs> <laughs> 
Darn, I uh, killed him before he got too high. Yeah, the, the the circle the circle makes a return that you guys have mentioned about extreme. Uh, you know, you have all the characters there on the circle that are going around from the blue to the red, where they can, you know, at the beginning of the red, you make your decision, uh, and then you know you're trying to interrupt enemies' harder attacks. Um, and, and and that's what is so satisfying about this is that trade-off between risk versus reward. It's your character's turn. The enemy's partway through the red. He's clearly winding up for a big spell. Do you do a quick attack to try to uh, interrupt him? Or do you defend, knowing that you're not going to be able to interrupt him on time? So let's defend and take you know partial damage, at least on this one character. Um, but or do you swing for the benches and try to cancel him out, you know, altogether? The light attacks don't do a lot of damage, but they're good for they're fast and they're good for interrupting. Your heavier attacks are how you're gonna really whittle down the enemy's hit points, but they come with the risk factor that the more powerful they are, generally speaking, the longer they take the wind up and the more likely you are to be interrupted by the enemy, because the enemy will in fact use its abilities to interrupt you as well. Uh, so you gotta look at the you gotta look at the graph every time it's your character's turn and weigh those decisions and those risk versus rewards and when they pay off it's satisfying and when it doesn't pay off of course uh it can be grueling but you know you've got yourself to blame because you took the risk mm-hmm. i have absolutely like wound up trying for like a heavy attack that would like theoretically stop the enemy's attack and then right as i'm about to finish my wind up i just take their special attack to the face and die mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and that's the cool thing is like you can't really I, I don't feel like there was maybe I'm wrong because I mean this is going 10 years back in my memory but I you can't really just light attack stun lock the monsters it, it doesn't really work out too well right no they don't like in in prior Grandia games they would take the like getting hit will freeze something on the the gauge for you know for a bit. And that will cause certain enemies to essentially get stun-locked if they're slow enough to begin with and you're focusing your attacks. That It's not effective to do that anymore. Like, I don't know quite why it is. I'd have to observe it more, but, like, that won't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if you knock them back in the bar because they were in the middle of attack, it knocks them back, like, halfway, but it isn't... It, it, yeah, you really won't get into an opportunity um, to says just constantly interrupt them and they never get a turn they will get a turn so mm-hmm. you got to pick and choose uh assuming it's you got the opportunity to do so you got to pick and choose what you're interrupting from the enemy so you basically want to just try to interrupt his bigger attacks yeah like is this worth interrupting given that his next turn will come faster and i might not have the capacity to stop at that time <laughs> right um so i just it's just so much fun you have uh the the graphics are pretty good i think uh playstation 2 game takes grandia fully to i was grandia 3 in in using polygons or was that still one two and anything after one is all polygon it's all polygons okay i i thought it looked really cool here i did like the the character design enough um and so seeing these guys pulling off their killer moves kind of you know 700 feet in the air uh, was made them look like superheroes. I just, I had a really good time with that. I thought they looked good. I just, every time they open up their mouths to start talking, I just wanted them to stop. <laughs> just like, like the, please, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. It's just, I was just gonna say the, the art direction is still quite strong. Uh, this one ditches the overhead camera that one and two had. So you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, nice field environments that look pretty good uh, in those, and it, it runs really nicely on the PS2. Like it's very clearly the product of a uh, late PS2 life cycle where the hardware is well understood. So it's it's a 
everything about it is just sort of let down by its script. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, <laughs> as uh, Mike, uh, so Mike also did a retro review on this one, and uh, he said um, the villains suffer from extreme under extreme underdevelopment. <laughs> uh it would uh it would be acceptable if the game simply threw out antagonists to fight but most of the rogues gallery in grandia 3 is introduced and given a few lines that fail to give any background clues then eliminated cliches also litter the narrative removing much desire to pay attention to the proceedings um but uh yeah yeah you just want him to stop talking i mean at the end of the day it was just like i just want to go fight just please stop talking let's go fight i don't remember if you could you could skip past stuff or not i think because it was my first playthrough i didn't try to skip past it i just suffered through it but you can't uh most of the important story cutscenes don't even have like for those who are hearing impaired most of the story cutscenes don't even have subtitles well, that's just lame. i i i'm I have a hard time hearing, so I turn on subtitles every time because I don't want to, you know, yeah. blow, blow up my speakers trying to hear stuff. Ugh, I hate it when games do that. Yeah, so, like, you'll get, like, a bunch of scenes that have, like, dialogue that is delivered in the normal text box with the uh, emoting piece of art next to it uh, fashion. And then you'll get to a, like, story scene, and it's like, nope, all that's gone. Can't skip through it any faster. Can't skip these at all, as far as I could tell. And... Uh, you know, no subtitles, nothing. So I found my attention actually waned faster because I didn't have like a way to digest the dialogue that was at least faster because I could just read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, my my uh, you know, my 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 wife uh, doesn't always catch everything because English isn't her native language. Mm-hmm. So yeah, have boys and girls. You're making an RPG, even if it's completely voice acted. Have it. You know, on the screen, please text on the screen, subtitle, whatever it's called, so that we can read it. Because, yeah, that's the most that's the easiest way to make sure that your game is inclusive for those people who may not have English as their first language or have hearing disabilities of any sort. Um, You know, uh, Mike had also noted and uh, he texted me he's trying to get here as quick as he can. Um, but I'm going to speak for him while he's not here. Uh, He said uh, we mentioned the aerial combos. Uh, He talks a bit about that. Uh, where a powerful attack can launch your enemy into the air, and is atta- if they're attacked by an alley before landing, the hit will be more powerful than usual, and it's just so so much fun. Uh, the second one, and is, I'm surprised I don't remember this, the second one is that magic no longer stops all activity on a battlefield while being cast, allowing in some cases targets to move in and out the spell range if the target was already on the move. Oh, if the target's already on the move, okay. Um, so that obviously could be a tactical consideration. That's usually something that gets on my nerves. That was a huge pain in my ass in yeah. Baldur's Gate, where you you cast a spell, it takes five seconds to cast, and everybody has moved, and then the yeah. spell just doesn't work, or or depending on the game, can actually have friendly fire issues. Um, then why I, I hate it when games do that. Uh, but uh, it seems maybe if they're already standing still, then maybe it's a little bit more. It, it didn't get on my nerves here. What about you guys? Do you remember that? There's also, so I I just replayed this recently, like I didn't finish, but, you know, I played some of it recently. There's this, there are, there's also a distinction here between special moves, which do freeze the battlefield, and magic, which does not. And the thing is that, like, most magic spells will have some degree of tracking, so, like, their primary target will probably still take the brunt of the attacks. Ah, 
Okay, well that makes sense. Uh, that helps a bit. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. I don't remember it being overly frustrating or anything. No, I mean yeah. that that definitely helps. To, yeah, that that helps. The third is that the means by which the character's special skills are enhanced. Uh, something that now happens randomly rather than any by any regular definable formula. Um, he, he more RNG, but but he enjoyed. I maybe they're better balanced here than it, extreme because he said that he made these changes are enormously entertaining, interesting without affecting much and bothering. Oh wait, no, he's okay. I get it. Okay, I have to read this all before I say anything. So he's saying that the first one's entertaining, which is the aerial combat. The second change with magic no longer stopping is okay, but not a big deal. And then the third, the third change with the RNG with the skill ups is bothersome. Yeah, Would you I, agree with that? I I've been playing for a few hours and I still don't know how the skill books work. So, uh, <laughs> I, I have no memory of the skill books, but I'll tell you what. I mean, I forgot about him in Grandia too for a good portion of the game and it came back to bite me. So, you know, there's nothing really pushing you towards them all the time. In, in three, you actually equip them somehow, but like equipping them hasn't done anything. So I have no like I've gotten skill level ups that and I don't know what they do because the skill book says that it's not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, so, yeah, and he does mention that the difficulty uh, was right up there. As I was have already discussed it was it was definitely good. Uh, and he also agrees that the graphics uh, were 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 pretty cool. Um, you know, I don't remember, um, <laughs> as far as the voice acting of Grandia 3, the cast does its best with the material that many high school plays would think twice about performing. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the way I would describe it is that, like, the voice actors are good, they're us- they're people who were in a lot of, like, anime in the mid-2000s, which, I mean, take or leave what that is, but they're, they're people who are very used to this kind of dubbing, but, like, their material is so dull that i think that's where the real problem comes in mm-hmm. i i don't remember much about the sound i remember the combat voices being repetitive yeah um, that's that's recurrent that yeah, that, yeah. Gone all the way back and so it, if you're not down with that that can get on your nerves a bit um and i really but i did like the uh, opening song the yes. soundtrack is good in general <laughs> Phil, that uh, opening song got me into like J-pop for a couple years. Like looking up, um, Miz was her name in the sky, and I, I, being such a big Grandia fan, I this game was coming forever, and I remember listening to that song dozens of times on repeat back before it was even fully translated into English. Because in the Japanese version, she's singing eighty percent Japanese, and you know. I think the uh, refrain maybe or whatever is in English, but then they had the new recording for the English version. But one of the interesting things I really remember about this game is this came out maybe about a year after Dragon Quest VIII, and Square Enix um, tried something back then. They decided to put out entire websites with forums, a moderator, prizes, contests, and they did that. Um, there was one called Slime Nights that started for Dragon oh, Quest VIII. Yep. And I was a member there. I've got. I still have two T-shirts that I won from there. I built up enough prize money there to buy a free slime controller for the PS2. Um, but when this one came out, they did it again. They hired the same company. Said, "Hey, let's do this kind of same thing." And the very first contest they had on there um, was "Tell Us Your Grandia Memories," and I wrote 
just about a little two paragraph thing about how the job I currently have, the school I was at, I got the job offer during the um, Grandia 2 boss battle. Like I was sitting at home playing and the phone rang and I had to pause and ended up chatting with my boss for like 45 minutes and accepting a job over the phone, like during the Grandia 2 boss battle and unpaused and <laughs> beat the game. So I won that and they sent me some little prize for being their first contest winner. And then I, I was too busy on other sites on the internet and didn't stay there to participate in their forums much. But it, it was a weird little time that, that they would do whole websites and prizes and contests and all run through there. Now it's all just on Twitter and, you know. Or a Facebook page or whatever. Or a Facebook. You know, we're going we're gonna to pick a random person, retweet this, and we'll pick someone to get this. And a digital copy and a blah, 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 you know. There's no sense of community. <laughs> no. No, uh, that Slime Knights one I was on for years, and it morphed into then promoting Dragon Quest Joker 2, I think, or 1, or whatever. And I there's people I still have some communication through today that got married because of that website. <laughs> Met on the site, got married, and I have an envelope sitting over here in my drawer. It was such a sense of community for years, and I want to say the guy, I, he had a King Slime avatar, and he was called King Slime on there. But... For those that stuck around to the bitter end, um, he actually sent a pair of Dragon Quest cards to everybody there at the end. And it was called The Great Hope. And he always said, you know, one day we'll meet again and don't open the envelope. So I still have an envelope from that website that I've never opened with two random playing cards in it. <laughs> nice. Wow. But, yeah, you know, that doesn't happen on Twitter or Discord or anything like that. Maybe Discord a little more, but perhaps the, the moral of the story is you guys need to listen to the song because it can change your life. That's oh, what yeah. the moral of the story is. So Just in the sky, the in general, <laughs> yeah, listen to Grandia Three soundtrack, or you can look up in the sky uh, by Miz. It's on. Uh, I listen to it a lot on YouTube. It's on my YouTube mm -hmm. playlist. Um, so somebody uploaded it somewhere. But um, yeah. It's 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 it, that that part's pretty. Do enjoy that. She had a couple uh, good albums. I enjoyed her albums. Oh really? Not to look that yeah. up. We have to do some research. Uh, uh, I think that was the one-hit wonder one of it, but uh, <laughs> one there were some other ones. Yeah. Uh, there's you know that reminds me of another song. I'm gonna look it up uh, in a minute while one of y'all are talking, and I'll come back to it. Uh, that kind of kind of feels that same vibe that and there's a story behind it you know i'll bring it up in the final lap that's what i'll do because it's not really yeah. related to this game aside from the fact that it hits the same uh <laughs> hits the same point of my heart uh as this song does it's on the same playlist that i have anywho uh but yeah it, it is it, you know it, it, to, it was just such a fun experience i looked for things to kill i just wanted to fight it's one of those jrpgs where i'm looking for random encounters i want to kill shit give it to me just it's just so satisfying it's so much fun um, we just have a really good time. And I think it lasts like 20, 25-ish hours, I feel like. I feel like it's I, longer, but is I it longer? justify maybe, that with any sort of reason why. It just, maybe I maybe the time, it yeah, maybe the time just flew by. Uh, it, it, oh, it's, uh, how long the beats got it at 40 hours. 40 hours, okay. So it just felt like 20 hours because it was so much fun. Um, <laughs> it was probably is, a 20-hour game that a lot of people spent 40 hours just battling. <laughs> right? So it's really the battle system that that really and the music, of course, but the battle system that really pulls this up uh, it is just so much fun. And that's why a lot of reviewers uh, gave it a good score. And Mr. Minky 
uh, finalized his thoughts by saying the plot weighs grinding a three down, preventing players from rushing out to avidly murder more enemies that are hardly defenseless. Even though it's not exactly a plus, however, Grandia 3's story offers plenty of elements to mock, and the ferociously entertaining fights it leads to are certainly worth a little sacrifice. Grandia 3 is not the finest hour of the series, but it shows how much more how much enjoyable combat means to an RPG and will be a hit with anyone that could focus on that aspect. 3.5 out of 5. Uh, and this is this is this is my poster child. Uh, when when we have those little nerd debates about you know what's more important story or combat you know an rpg they're both important it's peanut butter and jelly you want both elements to be good of course but for me like if you're gonna hold a gun to my head and i have to pick one over the other do i like the peanut butter or the jelly more what's most important to me i can eat a jelly sandwich i can't eat a peanut butter sandwich it will just stick in my mouth i'll feel so thirsty i'm gonna be begging for water <laughs> Uh, and to me, like an RPG that has a great story and a horrific combat system is horrible because it's like a book that's being, you know, that should be a 10 hour book, but it's 40 hours long because you're just suffering through. Grady is the opposite. This story that I wish I never read that book to begin with. There's, I just, I wish, I wish I could just hit the skip button on the story parts. The game would be better for it and would take a 40 hour experience and maybe make it a 35 or whatever, you know, hour experience and, and the game would be better for it. But with that being said, I really enjoyed this and I'd go back and do another playthrough of it again, uh, even if I had to suffer through the story bits because the combat system is just that good. Uh, it, it's, it's fun. You, you got, you, you know, don't, but it's not the poster child for Grandy. I think like you guys said, I'd go back if I was recommending a new player to a series, I'd go back and recommend, uh, starting with, uh, one. Yeah. One or two. Grab the one and two mm-hmm. collection. Yeah. Yeah. HD right collection. Switch. That's get right. It, get on your or Switch. PC. Or your PC. Uh, but yeah, if. No, Phil, like, I noticed you read my review and not somebody else on RP Gamer who got four and a half out of five. Did somebody who who did that? that? Is a weird score to me. Who, who gave it a four and a half out of five? Who's not with the site and he's thing is fourteen well, years old. For this <laughs> reason, this reason in particular. Uh oh my gosh, he he has my same last name, Tyler Willis. <laughs> Long lost brother. Long lost brother. Uh, you know, your family never talks about. Right. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I super, super, super enjoyed this, uh, and our, and our overall school, uh, our overall score is not an average of the separate elements. It's what the reviewer kind of walks away with of how much they enjoyed the game. But I think our 4.5 is what, is it considered excellent or masterpiece or something along those lines? To it give is, it, uh, especially now, in, mo- in order to get a four or five, you have to have another set of eyeballs to make sure you are justifying it accurately. Yeah, and and to sit there and say it's an you know an excellent RPG that that deserves to be up there with I don't know Witcher three or Final Fantasy six, not seven. Uh, you know, and those other yeah, no, that's a stretch. That that is very much so a stretch. Um, without the, without the good peanut butter, it's not a great, it's not the best sandwich in the world. I wouldn't give it a 4.5. I think your 3.5 is a much more grounded number there. Who knows? Maybe it resonated with that person better. I guess they love their jelly sandwiches. I mean, it's Uh, good to have different, uh, opinions and we can read one and be like, Hmm, I don't understand you, but that's fine. (laughs) I don't understand (laughs) down here. I haven't read this in a while. Much of Grandia 3 to veteran, but it's predecessor Grandia 2. Clearly true in terms of story. 
Indeed, the story will not be all that fresh or exciting to veteran RP gamers, and the main gist will certainly be recognizable territory. Save the world from disaster against overwhelming odds. While a standard plot device in RPGs, this theme can be dressed up in ways. Sadly, Grandia 3 shied away from what could have been a true plot set. That isn't to say that the plot is necessarily bad. The strong start seems to fall by the wayside by the end of the game. And that's the thing. Like, uh, usually with a 4.5, you got... Um... Uh, yes, everyone has their own opinions, but we do have kind of like a thing with RP Gamer where you've got to be able to justify your scores too, right? You got to have some objective, uh, subject, whatever. You got to have some supporting evidence there that supports that score. And when you're, right. An if you, is inherently subjective, but backing up your is not. Subjective. Yeah, this backing up your score, and I mean that was something that was pointed out to me on some of the early reviews I did was you can't just arbitrarily give something a five out of five even though you loved it you really got to be able as a reviewer to really show and describe and discuss those elements that you know that that make it so good as an overall package and he goes on he does talk about the um the bad story and stuff i think that's that that's ultimately drags down but anyway, uh yeah no mr meeky uh i'm glad you made it past your technical issues there we're just wrapping up what are your thoughts on extreme and three Extreme, I barely remember because, yes, we have Grandia Combat. Grandia Combat is, but I remember the dungeon not being, is definitely a change of pace for the dungeon. Kind of, I I remember, get this, a volcano. Mm. Please, stop the presses. Amazing cow. Mm. And, yeah, I remember Mark Hamill voicing a villain. I remember a good final boss theme, surprising a whole lot else. We did go over some highlights from, from your review. Oh, so we, we did there talk was about- one other thing about Extreme I thought that was funny. There's a house with a guy called Just Ton in it, J-U-S-T-O-N, and he kind of has a certain look to him, wears a certain hat, and he likes to tell stories about his adventuring days. It's not Justin, of course, not Justin. No, different world. It's just Just Ton, you know, could could be a distant related. No one named um, Fona or Fauna, right? No, no, those people did not exist. (laughs) With a whole lot of little kids identical I do. <laughs> nope no kids i maintain once more that the head is genetic <laughs> uh ground three again i have mostly forgotten the story but i remember the dungeons getting fun to i don't remember the soundtrack as well i think the wadare was veering away from the hard rock stuff for atmosphere but i also don't remember the uh, turning me off there's still some good hard rock in there but i get where you're coming from Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't we, find it as memorable as the. Mm-hmm. We also pointed out. We also pointed out that a brand new copy of the game cost a uh, hundred and forty-five bucks. You think it's worth it? That was for Extreme. Yeah. <laughs> a brand new copy of Extreme for a dollar. <laughs> right. When you could get all three other games for probably less than. Uh, I would have to argue against. I think we can that of the main title, and I guess we're kind of Extreme in there, even though it's not a number. Yeah. Extremely right. true. Oh, Matt, please, please. We're, we're trying to get away from period when everything had to be extreme! Extreme! Oh, yeah. I'm uh, extremely sorry. It's all about it. I'm extremely deaf. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Grandia 3 on the PlayStation Network is 10 bucks uh, for your PlayStation 3. Not playable on PlayStation 4, but if you still got your PlayStation 3 around... You can enjoy that classic for a while. Nope. No. Nope. 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 Absolutely nope. nothing in the game. Which it's too extreme. 
Well, actually, the the, uh, the the horrific story writing would break your Vita. That's a scientific <laughs> fact. Wait a minute. I've had I've had plenty of Vita games that have survived. <laughs> Some um, bad stories. Yeah. No. No. We're pretty sure. I'm gonna would... say I played um, Compi Heart games on my Vita, and it lived. Was... So <laughs> if it, if it can live through that, it can live through. It. Let me tell you, Vita is like a Chemco and Idea Factory like mansion. <laughs> Yeah, it right. Stand everything. <laughs> you could buy it used for fifteen bucks. You could buy it brand new at the shrink wrap for thirty bucks. Uh, extreme costs a lot more, so extreme must be better. See, extreme both yeah. trying to hide behind the fact that it should have had a story. Bubble bath babes on the NES cost now. I'm sure it's <laughs> worth every penny. Oh man, need to get the the true most powerful uh, pirate NES games. Go grab a copy of Huge Insect. I was just yeah. thinking of. Custer's Revenge. How much? Is that? Oh no! Oh, that one's really expensive. And it's worth every penny. It'll be about two. I just four figures. Eventually, I'll have. Eventually, someone will pass a law that says that once I buy this, I have to tell my neighbors who I am. <laughs> there may be laws like that on the books as it is. There are a lot of weird laws. On, don't get informed. <laughs> Important laws around us. Well, less for the the implied pedophilia and more for the shitty taste of video game, if you ask me. Well, it might be grandfathered in under something. Uh, it could be considered pornography in some way, and many do regulate that. After all, look, he's naked. She's naked. It must be pornography. I mean, if I you feel like... Yeah, this, got, this took a turn. Yeah, this got weird. Like got off track, off of backtrack. So, uh... So anyways, yeah, uh, if you want more Grandia, you played 1 and 2, and you want a little bit more, you want it to be extreme, but you don't want to go get extreme for 150 bucks, uh, I would definitely recommend uh, Grandia 3. So, all right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. It's Arizona.
we have returned. This is uh, the final lap where we do all kinds of kitchen sink stuff. And I don't know. We just chit chat. We just chit chat, talk about what we're playing, what we're writing on the site, all kinds of fun stuff. Let's take a look here. Do we have any comments from our last show, Mr. Mike? We're going to find out. And we have one because uh, our last show was number 219. It was something about Falcom. Yeah. Bunch of Falcom games. Right. As someone who loved Faxanadu says, uh, Bodica Kide, love the Falcom. Falcom. Oh, Falcom app. I see what we've done there. What was with the overlapping audio, though? Uh, so, yeah, we've been we've been going through some really bad technical difficulties. I, I had upgraded to a new Windows 10 computer, and it does not seem to want to play nice with anything. Uh, Windows Windows 10, in my humble opinion, is a burning, steaming pile of crapoli. Um, I had a lot. Let me, let me interject here. I just got the wonderfulness of attempting to update when, when it told me it's about to expire. Schedule a time to update. So I did. I started it updating at 9 p.m. It was still updating at 7 a.m. the next morning when I left for work. It was still updating when I returned from work. And I eventually, I had to, had to hard shut it down and another half an hour to undo the updates. And now it has finally, apparently, and of course that means that all of my settings, such as for this call that we are on right now, were undone and then redone. Thank yeah. you, Ms. 10, for making life complicated yeah to say the least it's 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 been it's a it's been a mess uh and i was just i was playing i've been so burnt out work lately sometimes i, I can't even play an rpg i just come home and i play uh balloons tower defense balloon popping game very brainless very cathartic and it will run on anything it'll run on your cell phone it'll run on your ipad it can certainly run on my beefed out brand new windows 10 gaming computer right so I was playing it, no problem. Um, I had shut it down for a minute, came back later, rebooted it, white screen. Just locked up on a white screen. Wait, rebooted white the screen? Yeah, like it just locks up with the white screen. It takes up the whole screen that goes white. I have two monitors. The other monitor still shows a Windows background. But the window that the game was on would just turn all white. This is a this is a game that will run on an Atari 2600, I swear, but couldn't get it to, to run on anything um had to go look up on steam forums go mess with a bunch of configuration files and take 20 minutes before i could get my my nintendo my nintendo level game to work on my windows 10 gaming computer so yeah no the windows complaints they they really really don't stop it is really bad i had a lot less issues with the old windows uh 7 computer except for the things that have were becoming obsolete on it on purpose um Anywho, but uh, that aside, thank you for your comment. Yeah, we do apologize about the technical difficulties. I've actually had them, some of y'all have noticed, for a couple of shows now. Hopefully, and it's just uh, only so much editing I can do. So um, it's either a choice to either dump the whole episode or post it with the with the issues. So we post it with the issues um, rather than throw it all in the trash can. So we'd always a bit to suffer through. Thank you for your patience. Hopefully, um, that is... That is working better because now we're using Skype itself, which is probably a mistake, but we're using Skype itself and the recording function in Skype to save the the conversations. And with the with that new process, hopefully we've eliminated the problem. We did some test runs. They worked out pretty good. So now we're doing a full podcast with it and we'll continue to monitor the situation and uh, continue to try new solutions until I just give up. Anywho, 
Uh, let's do our round table and ask everybody, what are you working on the website? What are you playing lately? What's new with you? And we'll start off with Mr. Matt. Yeah. All righty. Um, I've been playing quite a bit for uh, JRP July, but uh, JRPG July. But Phil, a game that you finally kind of pushed me over the edge a while back to finally go ahead and grab finally um, took up most of my June and July. Uh, I beat Graveyard Keeper. So and good. This is a game that it came out two years ago, and that's right when Stardew Valley dropped on Vita. So I finally got a to play it and played it over the summer. It was one of my fun 70-hour immersions over the summer. And I saw it came out two years ago, and I was like, eh, I don't want to sit on my PC and play a game like this forever. And then last summer it came to Switch, but kind of towards the end of the summer, so I was like, ah. And I'd kind of forgotten about it, but you mentioned it, and I'd asked you about it somewhere back in like January, February. So when I saw it go on sale this summer, along with the DLC, I jumped on it, and yeah, I plugged 50 hours into that pretty quickly and got the ending it you know as one of those life sims that could somewhat go on and on forever uh there is an ending and if you choose to do it you don't have to but uh, if you choose to do it you can beat the game and i, I found it fun i, I found it relaxing <laughs> you know Did, it, so so the premise the premise talk about the premise what is this graveyard keeper so you're a guy buying a bottle of liquor one night and you step out into the street and apparently get hit by a car but suddenly you just suddenly wake up in medieval times and this dude's this uh talking skull is like hey man run the graveyard and then a priest comes by and like oh you're the you're the keeper for the graveyard and you're like wait a minute i'm just trying to get hold of my girlfriend like where am i how did this happen and you're suddenly thrust into the role of a graveyard keeper and it is uh it's a graveyard sim it's it, i think the tagline when it first came out was the most inaccurate medieval graveyard simulator ever um <laughs> it's the only one and uh but it's fun i mean you are planting a little bit of crops because of course you know every good farm development kind of sim like this you could have some crops but uh, the main thing that you're doing is bodies are getting dropped off by this smart ass donkey um and you get to take them down, do a little autopsy. If you want to saw off a little meat to sell to the tavern to make uh, hot dogs out of, you can. Um, you want to extract the blood to then deal with side quests involving the thief, you can. And there's all these people that are there, and they're giving you all these things to do. And you're like, oh, great, I was just supposed to be doing this. And y your guy is very sarcastic, because every time he's asked to do something, he's like, are you kidding me? I got to do something else? Um but kind of like, you know, in a Harvest Moon or a Stardew Valley, every town's folks got stuff for you to do. Um, you can tell this is made definitely not on a budget or with as much love and care as those games, because um, there's really not much dialogue. The NPCs literally won't even talk to you unless they have something for you to do. And for the most part, once they give you your quest, you can't even talk to them again. If you go talk to them, they won't even bring it up until you actually do it. And... Uh, it's on a seven-day cycle, and there are basically seven main NPCs that you need to interact with and get through their storyline, get their little uh, level up to 100 by doing stuff for them. And of course, to do something for one guy, you gotta, you know, you can't build a graveyard up to level 20 without learning stone masonry, and you can't learn that without going to the blacksmith and 
being able to do this better and this better. And so it's all intertwined and it's just, I, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with the sim elements to it. Um, one thing I thought was they did a little bit better than so many games is where you got to go to, you know, you wake up at a certain time, you got to go to bed at a certain time. This had the same, you know, you'd be up in the morning, but the time never ended. You could go to sleep and stay asleep for three hours and wake up at night and just work all night long. Um, and if you wanted to just keep eating food and stay awake for three days in a row, you could. Eventually your stamina would suffer, but um, it had a little bit of combat in it. That was kind of minor. There were just 15 randomly generated floors that you could go down through. And to get to the ending, you either had to go through there or make like the 10 gold coins, which was a great deal of money in this game. Um, but it, it just all the little elements work together. I liked digging graves. I liked upgrading my skill trees, my technology. And even the way that you went about doing that underneath the church, like researching things with paper and the paper you could make by drying out people's skin that you cut off their bodies. So it oh. always had kind of, oh, <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's, I was waiting it's for morbid. While he was describing this. I was waiting for somebody to go, oh, like, especially we mentioned the hot dogs. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you get the meat. And the, actually, that's one of the early game quests is, you know, you have to get a stamp. Um, either you can buy it for a lot of money, or you can have the thief just give you a quote-unquote official stamp and the innkeeper will be like hey as long as you can get official stamp on the meat i'll buy it <laughs> don't care where the meat comes from don't care what the meat is like but i gotta make my burgers i gotta make whatever and phil i know you had tried it um a while back the dlc um added there's two dlc out for it now one adds a whole nother quest line um and one adds zombies did you ever play with the zombies oh yeah you gotta have the zombie helper Oh, yeah. So the, the zombies are, um, you, you can revive the bodies, and the zombies take a lot of the uh, work out of it. About halfway through the game, I didn't need to mine stone or wood anymore myself. I had a zombie chopping down trees. I had a zombie bringing, and you have zombie carriers, like just running the tree pieces to your farm or to your uh, work area. So, I mean, about halfway through, a lot of the early grinding stuff was put aside, and then it was just more crafting. I mean, it, it turns into a lot of crafting, um, a lot of making things. Uh, and then there's another DLC where you can open your own tavern. And it's pretty funny because you buy the land from the tavern owner, and you just kind of slip in at the end. He's like, oh, cool, thanks for the 30 pieces of silver to buy the land. You know, what are you doing? You're like, yeah, yeah I'm building the tavern. And he's like, what? You didn't tell me that! Um, but then the little skull that's around most of the game he starts running the tavern for you and you can sell all your beer and wine that you're making there that that really helped make a lot of the money when you open up the merchant and you can sell your farmed goods for that um because towards the end you're just you're trying to make money you need to become an aristocrat and 10 gold in that game is like 10,000 of its currency and the copper evolves to silver silver evolves to gold it, it was just I, I had a lot of fun and it's the writing wasn't much it, it nowhere near like what a stardew valley or harvest moon is but what little snippets they did were were quite cute and funny i mean they had a lot of little chuckles um you know if that company ever did anything else they, they trying to get a little bit someone in there to do some more dialogue would be good because the gameplay elements worked out very well did um, you did you find yourself leaning on faqs a lot i had to yes because there's there's not a lot of explanation 
Yeah, there's that, a lot that, going on there, and that's one thing I point out is um, depending on your tolerance for constantly being on FAQs, there's so many systems that are moving underneath the hood, and there are some tool tips, you know, as you're trying to research stuff or put together certain, but not all of it's really there and super handy. Um, it's not no. the best designed UI and and stuff in the world. So um, I did. I, I was a little frustrating if I was playing this on a plane. And I get a hair up my ass and I want to build a certain potion and I couldn't figure out what I need to research oh, and how to get there <laughs> without an FAQ because I didn't have access to the internet on the plane. So kind of keep that. That's a couple of things to kind of keep in mind. Um, and so it's that. Did you run into any bug issues? Because that I don't know if that's still a thing, but when I played it, it was a thing. Uh, I only ran into one. I did see a lot of complaints by going on places to look up stuff. I saw a lot of bug this, bug that. The only one that I encountered is um, at one point you have to, the, the farmer is one of the main guys you have to deal with for almost everybody else's side quests. So I went to go talk to him about getting his daughter's permission to sing at the bar or something like that. And I went because you don't have to really sleep at night and wake up in the morning. It, it just all blends together. So I ran over to him and the, it doesn't give you a time like on other games. There's just a little picture of the sun going up and the moon coming up. And it was really right around where you could see it be midnight. And I start talking to him. And his son, who is a sprite kind of little bit near him, goes walking by and walks in the house. Um, like in a lot of these sim games, the people are there in the daytime, not out at night. So sun goes and we're having a nice little chat. And all of a sudden it, it froze. It just nothing went on. And I let it sit for a minute or two. No, nope, whatever. So... I lost some progress, probably just five, ten minutes, loaded up, did it again. Well, this time I went and talked to the the guy during the day, and it turns out the the scene that we're talking, the son was supposed to join in the conversation. <laughs> but the son had gone to bed, so, oh well. <laughs> it was, you know, just something coded, like, why was time passing while we were having this conversation? That that was weird, mm. you know, so that things want to but luckily that's the only bug i incurred i will say there are little graphical glitches here and there um nothing that like closing a menu or just walking off the screen and walking back on didn't fix um so i will say the switch port they've got it decently okay i mean you, you might hit little things like that but what kind of stuff did you mess with yeah no, no, i just just you? yeah it's just uh, little things here and there nothing yeah i i think there was we on the PC. Uh, we were playing the PC, and there was some. I mean, this was a couple of years ago, though, or a year ago, or something like that. I feel like a couple of years ago, and we we did have to do some some ma moderate tinkering. I wouldn't say it's minor. I wouldn't say it's major, but we had to. And at one point, I think my wife had to start over again, which she was a few hours in at that point. Um, so I mean, it was. I think it was more bug ridden back in the day, and and I think they would have had to fix some of those for the Switch. Uh, mm -hmm. Nintendo would have so, yeah, we're two, we're two on those. years down the two years down the line here, and it's been on Switch for a full year. Yeah, and they did put out DLC in December for that. So I mean, yeah, I remember the, like, the zombie DLC when it came out also addressed a couple of, of, of bug issues with that release too as well. So, but then the zombies, there was a bug where you couldn't get the first zombie that was buried in a rock or whatever. So it was a couple things, but I'm glad to see that they worked out and you were able to complete the game because that was, that was one of my big questions was, were you, were you able, were you able to beat it? Um, we enjoyed, I, so the game has a unique aesthetic. You're a graveyard keeper. Most of these games like Sundew Valley and most JRPGs and Grandia. It's a 
bright, vibrant and cheerful world. And, <laughs> you know, you attack people and no one really dies and there's no blood or guts. And, and, and no, no, graveyard, you know, graveyard keeper is the exact opposite. If you said, boy, I like playing Harvest Moon Stardew Valley, but damn it, they're just way too cheerful and colorful. <laughs> <laughs> Go and play Graveyard Keeper. It's you know, it's it's definitely got the whole death themes going on. You're 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 throwing bodies into the river. You're hacking up people for and harvesting their parts. Um, and the colors the whole are bishop storyline is with uh, you're burning witches at the stake. You're burning witches at the stake. Yeah, and totally. he's like, yeah, you know, she didn't want to come cooperate, so we're burning this one. And after yeah. a while, you're like, oh man, our king said that we can't do this anymore. <laughs> so yeah it has it definitely got the whole uh darkness thing going on uh and that was pretty cool but i thought the the crafting systems were pretty uh compelling and the dlc helps immensely because at the time we didn't have the tavern but we had the zombie dlc and it was you know right to the where you get to that point where you're like damn i gotta cut a lot of trees and a lot of stone to be able to do these next things it's really starting to get a bit on the monotonous side uh that's where oh wait the zombies can do it for me okay uh it really helps out a lot to keep the the pacing kind of going but you definitely again it was i you what kind of eventually made it to where i didn't push the game too much further and for me personally was the reliance on faqs um, you really had to have an FAQ. Like at one point, you got to go visit the witch lady in the swamp. To do that, you got to go through the swamp maze. Oh my God, that swamp me, maze was horrible. I could not figure that out. And I was stuck. And then I wasn't connected to the internet, couldn't find it. So every time that would happen, something like that would happen, I had to put it on the back burner until I could get to the internet again. Um, and and yeah, you, you go and you pull up, uh, someone had drawn on the internet of course and a guy shows you exactly how to get through the maze draws a line through the maze and whatever but yeah it, it was like what were these guys you know some of that stuff is a bit i i personally like games that i can figure most of the stuff out on my own and sometimes i may look up an faq to refine my strategy a little bit to get a little bit more mileage out of it to play on like mm -hmm. a hard mode if i'm doing a replay or something but I feel like I should be able to get through normal on my own. And Graveyard Keeper's like, no, it's got so many deep systems no. that are running that aren't really like in a lot of those. Cra I think I, I said this about Minecraft. When Minecraft first came out uh, in the first couple of years after it came out, I played it totally turned me off because in crafting things in Minecraft, you got to know exactly how to lay stuff out on the crafting table. You have to line it up in a particular way to craft an axe, for example, or a sword. Um, it's not something you're going to figure out intuitively. And there's nothing there in the game to tell you how to do it. So you got to look up a lot of FAQs just to do the basic things or experiment a whole lot, which I don't have time for. Later later versions of Minecraft, the one that got me hooked was the Vita version. On the Vita version, you would say you would go to crafting table. There would be a list of things you want to make. You just pick sword and it would lay it out for you. And and that mm -hmm. was that was that was great. So that I, I yeah, Graveyard Keeper doesn't lay things out on the table for you a whole lot. <laughs> no, just, just you have bodies. Just the buys. You have to go and figure out the recipes. You either got to experiment a lot. Um, a lot of the tool tips aren't really well fleshed out. And, and you, it'll say you need this and you don't even know where to get that. No other tool tip tells you where to get whatever that alchemical ingredient is. So you'll need to go and pull up an FAQ, uh, Graveyard Wiki. I became good friends with that uh, to mm -hmm. figure out how to make this vial of XYZ so you can in turn... Yeah, but, uh, you know, if you don't mind being on FAQs, it, 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 it just, it is super, super cute. My wife loved it. She loved it a lot more than Stardew Valley. Um, 
and and put uh you know put quite a few hours into it but we never did actually beat it so i'll be excited to, to tell her about your updated adventures might get her back into it again and then uh let's see oh go ahead kelly oh i know i just wanted to chime in i i agree with you that i get irritated when i have to look up a fact for things but at the same time there's in a way i kind of like it because it breeds that community like you did when you was a kid before the internet where you'd sit around and talk about games with your friends and like oh did you figure out this well no i'm gonna go try this and i kind of appreciate that games can sometimes there well, you go. It, it definitely did that yeah <clears throat> i mean i uh, and, and yeah i agree like with the playing thing it's kind of frustrating but uh I do that with my husband a lot, like when I'm playing Minecraft or when I'm playing other kind of crafty games. Where it's like, well, did you find this? Well, no. Well, how did you make this? Oh, well, I made it this way. Well, that yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but like, like we play Starbound. In Starbound, the recipes are pretty much explained. There's no point in Starbound where you're really scratching your head going, how exactly do I make this? Now, there are times where it might say you need some some titanium and you haven't run across titanium yet. Uh, you haven't necessarily seen it, and I, you, hey, Shirley, have you found any titanium? Because she's playing at the same time. But it's really cool is that we'll both be playing that game at the same time, and it's about the exploring, you're finding these things, and we'll be doing exactly what you're describing. And you're right, it's a very cool aspect when you're playing these exploration crafting games, and you're kind of going back and forth with somebody else who's exploring at the same time. Uh, it's just that graveyard. Yeah, Graveyard Keeper, if you like that, it'll give you that in spades because it's it also... <laughs> It, because it does such, unlike Starbound, which pretty much explains what you need to craft stuff at the crafting table and what you need to unlock to get there. Like with Starbound, if I just stare at it long enough, I can figure out how to craft X, Y, Z. Because it's all there within the game. You might have to dig. Now, if you have somebody sitting next to you, it's easier to ask them, and that's cool, too, um, to your point. Uh, it, with, with Graveyard Keeper, asking people or looking up wikis, I feel like is a lot bigger of a require. You will require, unless you just got immense amount of patience so but yeah you're right they have a really great community and i really appreciate those people who put the game of the graveyard wiki you could tell they put a lot of blood sweat tears and love into that website i mean it was really well done my hat's off to them it really is i mean they've got maps like you said to get through the stupid swamp and i mean they they really they even list options a lot they're like well you could do this or you could do that you know um to get to this so that was fun. I think the other big games I played this summer, Golf Story. Oh, my gosh. I think I've known I was going to love that forever. It's like Mario Golf with a lot of humor in it, a lot of sarcasm, and that was a blast. I know that developers coming out with Sports Story later this summer or fall if it doesn't get delayed, and uh, that's on the wish list. And then, related to today's episode, I've been playing some Grandia Parallel Trippers, which uh, is a Game Boy Color version um, or Game Boy Color game uh, related to the very first Grandia. Uh, not translated into English officially, but you can you can play it if you look around. Um, and it's it's interesting. It, it's a very Game Boy type game. You start out as like a, this boy in school and the girl that you kind of like and your bully friendish guy or battling with your game boys and he gets mad and pushes you and takes it and runs to the abandoned schoolhouse where of course a vortex warps you to the land of grandia one and pretty much all the characters show up justin's there justin's mom is there as a pirate captain again or beating up pirates and uh it, it's got a odd little story there's some guy traveling multiple universes um big evil threat 
you know, that's how you got pulled into this because I guess that's the whole parallel trippers part of it. Um, they tried very hard to do the battle system from Grandia on a Game Boy Color, and it kind of works. It talk about obscure and not very well explained things. Um, there's an action bar, but the action bar runs both ways, depending, you, you see your characters facing left to get to their action, and then on that exact same action bar, they're facing right to take their turns. Um, there's combos, if you can place your people in the right areas, that are completely not explained. You, you each have four attacks. It, it made me feel like a combination of, like, maybe Dragon Warrior monsters and Pokemon at the same time, because you can get up to 28 playable characters, and they each can have four skills, and skills can evolve, but that's a whole nother system I didn't even want to play with, because the first time I tried it, I, like, had a level seven skill that went down to a level two of a worse thing, and I'm like, well, I just boinked that person. <laughs> But it's an interesting, as I'm now trying to give a little time to my Game Boy Color, Game Boy Backlog, um, with Grandia being the topic of the week here, thought I'd give it a try. And I got about five hours into it, and it's interesting. It's interesting. It's a lot of Grandia. I appreciated the boss battles I had were still against various parts, you know, right hand, left hand, body. So that was kind of fun. And yeah, you've got all your Grandia 1 people there, and they can hop in and out of the party. So... That, that's been my last month. Alrighty. How about uh, Mr. Dave? Uh, I've been quite busy outside of just doing things to make sure that I actually know what I'm talking about in this podcast. So just a bunch <laughs> of Grandia, Grandia 3, Grandia Parallel Trippers. Uh, and yeah, Matt kind of explained that better than I could. Mm-hmm. How about you, Miss Ellie? Well, um, for JRPG July this year, I... <clears throat> I was waffling around on what I wanted to play and then was like, oh, Trails of Cold Steel 3 is coming out on June 30th. So that's going to be a time sink. Might as well just play that. Um, Can't really get into much into that game because of massive, massive spoilers, because it is like a game series with a very continuous story. Uh, I wish Josh J. Scarp was here because he would be able to kind of rap with me about it since it's one of his favorite series as well as mine but i'm having a lot of fun with it that um a lot of stuff is kind of starting to come together a little bit tying together uh like trails in the sky and uh, cross bell games and the trails of steel um <clears throat> so good yes so much fun just fun to just sit down and d- dive into deeply anime story and um both just Josh and I tend to call it anime Game of Thrones, just because there's so many, <laughs> yeah, there's so many characters and they're so interconnected and they're uh, twists and turns and yeah, the Trail series is good, but boy, it's an investment both uh, time-wise and wise. Hmm. It is. It is. I, I mean, I've wanted to go dive into it so many times, but it just looks so intimidating and and there's so much on my play that i'll talk about later but it 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 does look like a a lot to properly you know give it the attention it deserves mm-hmm. and then the other thing that i've been majorly into lately is magic the gathering arena which oh, really? is funny 
Yeah. Oh, it's funny because we was talking pre-show about the Pokemon trading card game and how I was uh, like a senior in high school when that first set came out. And like at the time, magic was a little bit too complicated for me. I didn't get it. But then over the course of like the past year or so, I'd been kind of slowly picking it in DG Arena. And then this most recent set that has come out has had a uh, cats and dogs theme to it. So there's lots of cat cards and lots of dog cards that kind of have synergy with each other. So I um and they the thing about arena is that, that they give you um trial decks to kind of play around. So there was one deck that was a uh, cats versus dogs deck that they were they were doing then in one of the trials and I played with the cats deck obviously and fell in love with it. So not only did I make my own cat's deck in arena, but I actually spent the money to buy the actual cards to make the cat's deck in real life. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Which, which actually wasn't that expensive. All th- um, I think like one of the rare cards ended up being like five bucks. And I also didn't really spend a lot of the money on the dual mana cards, which I didn't know until I, it, my husband explained it to me. They're like, yeah, the, any card that gives you extra mana or dual mana, like that's what you want in your deck. Like, oh, okay. And and after I thought about it, I was like, oh, that that totally makes total sense because the most infamous card in the whole series is the Black Lotus, which mm-hmm. I guess gives you a bunch of mana like on turn three or something ridiculous like that. I don't remember. I was never around during the time of the Black Lotus, but um. I just hit platinum rank four in standard rank, which I thought was pretty high. And then I looked at it, it's like, no, because then there's like diamond and mythic after that or two other tiers. But it's the best I've ever done in an online team. Um, I tried doubling in the hearthstone a long time ago. And I was like, well, now that I understand our hearthstone, would I understand magic? And my husband was like, oh, yeah, magic is a lot. I mean, a little bit more complicated, but. Once you get it, you get it. And now I don't think I could ever go back to Hearthstone because Hearthstone just seems a little bit too simple. Now. You know, it's funny. I'm kind of the opposite. I I I, I played I played uh, Magic the Gathering way back in the day with the physical card game back in the mm-hmm. 90s. And then much later in life, Hearthstone came out and I put some good time into that. And Apps and I are always talking about Hearthstone. Um, and then and then a couple months ago, I played Runeterra, which just came out. Uh, and that's kind of an interesting take as well and, and worth checking out if you're into those uh, card games. I will say, like, in going back and playing the magic, the game you're talking about, Arena, whatever, It first of all, it's really pretty. Mm-hmm. I, I really love the – I've always loved the artwork on the cards, but the way they kind of bring it to life with and everything with the movement, and I think it's really cool. But um, the other thing, uh, you know, for me, it's tough to go back to a card game system, though, where I have to, like – have the lands pull up, play them, and use them to tap them for energy. It mm-hmm. feels so much slower and RNG to pull out, you know, my strategies than a Hearthstone where, you know, or Runeterra where you're automatically given one more energy. Runeterra has an interesting take on it because uh, it takes it one more step further because in Hearthstone, you just get one more energy, you know, like an automatic land every round, like automatically gets tapped, right? Mm-hmm. Um on round three, you have three energy spin. On round five, you have five energy spin. It's that simple. What mm-hmm. uh, Runeterra does is sometimes in Hearthstone, you don't have a one, two, three, four, five card in your opening hand lined up just like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you have some that mana that kind of goes to waste because, you know, you had a two card only on, on round three that you could play. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have a mana that goes to waste. Runeterra lets you keep that extra up to three mana in your bank, so to speak, that can only be used on spells. It can't be used on conjuring troops. 
So you can't turn out a five cost troop on turn four, for example, because you banked a mana, but you can turn out a cost five spell. Um, and, and that kind of balances it so it doesn't become something completely, you know, off off kilter because you saved up some mana. It's generally not it's not an ideal thing to save up mana just to pull out a killer spell later on. Cause all you're going to do is wipe the board and you know, whatever, but, mm-hmm. but it, it is, it is nice to have that as an option. If your tempo, you know, hand, opening hand doesn't come out to good tempo. So and what that means is that is there's all, and, and they also make it to where you attack and, and defend on different turns, but it, it just keeps things moving faster and faster and faster. I think that's kind of the way card games are going. So I had a time go, going back to the gathering, but the graphics, Oh, so cool. Yeah, and you know, it's it's got some uh microtransaction, you know, as a lot of modern card games do, but um and you and you're buying a lot of decks or buying a lot of booster packs, these microtransactions, but luckily they give you so much free stuff in yeah. this that it's not I I mean, I've spent money, but the money has been kind of worth it. Like it has the master, this mastery system spend money on where it's 20 bucks and you're leveling up and you get bonus items as you level up. And there's a free version of the master system that you get. But if you spend the 20 bucks, then you get the bonus mastery system where you're getting double the rewards. And you know, you know, I the way I see it is that I figured that if I'm gonna like spend twenty bucks on a deck anyway in real life, I'm probably gonna spend the same amount in this. So might as well just take advantage of it and get get the same amount of rewards if that makes it. Yeah, I felt like it was pretty generous. Mm-hmm. Like the and, free system, the free part of it, I feel like you could have a lot of fun just as long, as long as you're playing daily and getting your daily rewards. I think you were still getting some good cards and stuff. And and the other thing that I love about this is that if you buy a, a constructed deck in real life, it gives you a code to unlock the same deck in real Really? Just oh, like Pokemon. Just yep. like Pokemon. That's pretty cool. So, you know, I can buy a deck and play around with it in arena and and i mean granted i've if i don't like the deck i've spent mo- already spent money which is kind of annoying but still i i like buying constructed decks because i'm not very good at making my own decks and being able to test them out in arena is just awesome yeah that's pretty cool so it's kind of like that you know double the money or not no, i'm gonna say double money double the value for your money and mm-hmm. i mean it, even if you don't want to go that route you can buy the, like the cards that have to code for those pre-constructed decks on ebay for almost nothing pretty cool yeah so i don't am, get that with her stone yeah uh, and and not only that uh, you know i've barely spent any money in uh arena and I feel like I'm not getting just my ass stomped in by people that have the money to spend uh, like crazy. Whereas versus Hearthstone, it's like, okay, I can definitely tell the dude that can, that has a lot of money to blow on Hearthstone cards because I am playing a cheapo deck and I've got nothing. And Magic has never once felt like that. Right. So. Uh, hey, you might want to hang up and rejoin the call real quick. Get some feedback. Okay. Oh, it was Matt. I I kicked him out and I did it. Of course, he'd be like, Phil kicked me out. Sorry about that, guys. Hopefully, I edited that out. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, who, who knows when I'm finally gonna peter out with that? Um, probably when this season, this new season ends in um like 12 days. But we'll see. 
um, I'm kind of holding out because they, they also give you like board pet. Well, I mean, you could buy board pets for the board too. And I waiting to see if they have a cat to go with this cats and dogs theme. Cause right now the uh, special board pet for the mastery pass is a dog. Mm-hmm. So we shall, I'm, and I'm also trying to work up the courage to like actually go to a card shop to play for, um, you know, this whole COVID crisis goes away sometime. Yeah, yeah definitely um yeah it needs to go away but it's really cool that in the meantime you can play online and be socially distant oh yeah and and um wizards of the coast is aware of it and has had like special friday night magic events knowing that people are staying home playing yeah that's how i do my D &D. do it all over uh skype or whatnot works just fine rather be in person but it's a good compromise Mm -hmm. uh while we get through this all right cool anything else do anything on the site lately or anything um, not particularly. I've been very busy in real life working on art projects and just various things and work has been just killing me because, um, you know, working in e-commerce, like that stuff doesn't go away even during a crisis. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been busy, but I'm still. Cool. 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 Uh, let's see here. Well, that's Mr. Minky next. Well, there are a couple. Yes. Wireless. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are able to connect to. It took long for me to finally get the game. Wow. Uh, I also need to review Banner of the Maid, which I was making some progress on until I reached... All right, we're familiar with this type of battle in a tactical game where you need to keep somebody alive who's not under your... Mm -hmm. This, This character does not move, so at least there's that. But this character is also situated in a place where artillery comes in, and if this character takes a couple of hits, the character dies, and then boom, you've lost. So I have to figure out a way to heal the character in a game with... It can be done, but then I ran into the other issue, where after after my wonderful Windows update, I've been trying to play Banner of the Maid several times, and it's the strangest thing. It will start up. Or at least it will seem to start up. The audio will be fine, and my mouse will change to mouse of the game. But I can't add. Mm. Try as I might, I can't play a tactical the audio, especially this type of tactical game. I, that would be an accomplishment. I can't do it. So I'm probably going to have to restart again. In order. I finished Dust. It was a fun game. I love that game. I don't love it. I like it. Which... That came out at a time when we was like really starved for good Metroidvanias. So I fell in love with it almost instantly. It looks great. It plays pretty... I enjoy it. Uh, now, unfortunately, Metroidvanias uh, are a dime a dozen, so I can see why you'd love, love it, but I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah, I, w- I am not going to knock it. Um, I played through Breath of Death 7, the games, and I... How long does it say that I spend on this thing? Oh, yes, I spent a total of four hours, and I still <laughs> feel like it was uh, not a particularly great use of my time. Aww. Sorry, Z- Sorry, <laughs> Z-Boy. This one, yeah, there was a dialogue with Little Love. Another, oh, wow, then plays like an NES RPG. Now, was that their, that was their first effort, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. So now we'll get the, I, I, I have that up. I think I've done an hour, and I did feel like I was getting through quite a bit of it. So. Yeah, I blasted through it in four hours, and I think my time, probably do it too. <laughs> hey, you got to get up to the Christmas one. The Christmas one is great. Well, I've got to go through. You've got a lot Lulu, more. Because Lulu has to save the world for Well. Christmas is a prequel to that one. <laughs> but it came out more recently. And I've like already the, played Cosmic It's like Star the Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> well, B-Boyd think to themselves, let's take it, make it more... No, no, they did not. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Lou saves the... Yes, it's cute to have a couple of jokes near the end. Wow, we're already at the end? 
and they charge five dollars for this game what a ripoff Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait till you get to the Christmas one where they talk about Breath of Death Seven. You could probably get for a dollar. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I spent like a dollar for both games. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know the price. I don't remember. I bought it off of Steam. I played it and playing it again because I there you go. <laughs> got my fill. Yep. I played a little of Fox and I mostly bought because I had some stuff that's decent to say about the shot, and it's all right. It's there's another Metroidvania style one. It's not great. But I was having some fun with whatever the hell that's worth. I played a little bit of Trails in the Sky the third. We'll probably get back to that. But on that soon. I don't even think if they've done Trails in the Sky the second yet. Have they? Have they? It. Yep. Yes. Oh, they have. Okay. My bad. I, I know because I finally finished that game in May, and then I was like, "Yay! I've been waiting to listen to this episode for like two years." <laughs> oh no, it's Trails the third that we had. Correct. It is, it, my bad. There's too many Trails games. Not that that's a bad thing. It's better that Falcom stuff is more or less getting happily play Ease 9. Once. Um, I played a little bit of River City Rants Underground. Kind of fun, but the direction. I, that's an odd thing to say, but I just, just kind of wandering around fighting everybody. On the other hand, River City Girls, that's fun. I was enjoying that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a fun game. I like that one. I stopped off at the noise boss because I could not figure out a way to, to dodge. I swear, it looks like DDR, whatever she's throwing at you on the stage, but... It doesn't play like DDR, even if I'm hitting the right, right colored button. It is not for taking a hit. I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah, there's some rough spots in there. I, I finished Sonic Mania. I will probably go back to that again. That That is in the killer Sonic games played back on the... And I've been playing something called Shotgun Legend. I don't know how I... It's showing up for game sales. And I, All right. Oh, it's it's selling for 50 cents. I'll give it a shot. And it, turn, <laughs> and it turns out to be a effective... It's obvious. Instead of a sword, you have a shotgun. You get sticks of dynamite, you get a wave gun, you wander around, you try to get your magical rim back so all nine people rim go back home. And once, if you are to look at it, you'll say, yep, that sure does look, it was definitely worth the 50 cents. It might even be worth the whole $5 because on 90% off. Oh, I try, I uninstalled and reinstalled Borderlands 3 in an attempt to play it. And it still crashes in when I try. So I'm not sure hell your UK games. Maybe I should just... Sure. In fact, I, I do blame Randy. I blame Windows I want, 10. <laughs> I want to play Borderlands. I will probably enjoy it. But I can't when it's crashing since I started up. That's... Mm-mm. Or maybe I need to get it off the Epic Games Store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sure the answer to everything. <clears throat> As everyone knows, Epic Games does everything right. Well, they're epic. Mm. Yeah. Is the epic move on Epic should be? Seems like an oversight if it isn't. All I know about Epic Game Store is that I only made an account to get Civ 6. For- yeah, I know, right? I can't help but think may- that Epic Games is going to get a lot more fire now that all of this craziness in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Whether that's fair or not, I can't say, but it's going to happen. Fortnite will be the size of just what we <laughs> Or trying to. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had a bit of a backlog with good about that past. Pandemic scene has not brought out the writer in. Yeah, right? Ugh, stupid pandemic garbage. Nasty. Yeah, I, I don't have much good to say about the pandemic, does he? I mean, I did buy myself a Majora's mask for my cloth mask. Yeah! Yeah, I'm deeply have... concerned by the concept of having something positive to say about the <laughs> pandemic. I'm getting bow ties and masks made for me that are matching. <laughs> so, you know, going back to school in the middle of all this, good idea oh, or bad. Florida. Oh, yeah. Definitely going back to school. Florida's definitely going back to school. As yep. it should, 
everyone knows it's a great. We're we're fine. It's all fine here. Disney's <laughs> open, you know. Nothing to nothing to report here. Nothing to see here, people. Nothing to see. Everyone knows that photo taken on the ride if you're wearing a mask, then that will compel obedience of mask wearing it. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, how can you prove that you were there if you don't have a photo? Thanks. Uh, I have a few masks, and I actually have a friend. A friend of a friend makes the dragons. They make my lenses fog up when I walk around. That's oh, way. same here. Yeah. S- same here. Um, that's why I've, I like the cloth mask because it's not as bad. But I, I notice it really bad when I uh, get out of the car when the air condition is going. You get the double whammy of summertime. Yeah. And that. Yeah. But it's a choice between that and probably unable to go into places. I'll take the annoyance. Yep, don't mm-hmm. go full Karen. Never go full Karen. Mm-hmm. Apply Karen shot people. Uh, I mean, I don't know, to be honest. That's like less Karen and more Bubba, Trump supporter kind of crap. The, interestingly enough, I was picking up lunch the other day and saw somebody wearing a Trump mask, which I just kind of had to look and like. <laughs> I don't know how to feel. The ultimate about oxymoron. This. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not a complete oxymoron. At the hospital. Yeah. Didn't they establish that was Photoshop, though? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, uh, political. That's that's never. Yeah. Bill, I, I understand you've been having a, a lovely time of it. Yeah, work is horrible. It's, uh, you know, it seems to be that, especially in like whether it's hospitality, restaurants, any of these, there's a number of segments that have been hit by the effects, the economic effects of COVID much harder than others hospitality being one of them and there's there's two types of employees there's the ex-employees which are the much much bigger group and then there's the remnant left behind that are way overworked and doing all kinds of crap um uh, you'll see you know general managers accountants salespeople up there you know cleaning rooms scrubbing toilets and doing all the stuff that maybe they took for granted that other people did um but things are much, much worse because our standard for, you know, who comes and stays in our rooms has gone way down. So, yeah, without getting into graphical detail, let's just say that there's a lot of th- it's interesting. I often said when it comes to when it comes to housekeeping, I you know, and whether or not you should have immigrants or illegal immigrants, whatever, undocumented workers, whatever you want to call them, working in hotels, clean rooms, because that's what you'll find in a lot of hotels. Um it, the reality is employers can't get Americans to do this work. It doesn't matter how high the unemployment is. Americans don't want to clean rooms. Um, so it doesn't matter if they're hungry, I guess. They don't want to clean rooms. So um, uh, now we're in a situation where managers have to go up and clean rooms. There's no one left. We had to let everybody else go. Uh, you have to have a few managers to answer the phones and make decisions and keep the building running. And, and – um, may change in weeks yeah it might we'll see it'll be interesting because in the past uh, in no you know there's certain cities that have higher unemployment than others and i've noticed that there is absolutely zero correlation to how much the unemployment is and how much americans you know uh uh native americans not native indians but you know americans born and raised here in america want to go and work uh at a hotel cleaning rooms doing manual labor it's hey well i want to work at the front desk i want to work in sales i want to work in anything but anyways um but the rooms are absolutely horrific nowadays because like i said the standards a lot lower so uh yeah use your imagination there i could tell you some stories but you know here at rpg backtrack we don't draw uh, we don't shy from 
dropping the occasional f-bomb and stuff like that but this stuff is too graphic even for our (laughs) it's bad it's really 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 bad i can Um, make some educated guesses based on i have uh, yeah with that a tangent yeah so it's been it's been really bad i'm doing seven different people what used to be literally a department of seven people i'm by myself and i'm completely overwhelmed and just juggling eggs and seeing uh seeing how many i can keep up in the air uh, and making as little mess of a possible so by the time i get home and i still do more work at home and by the time i finally sit down on the couch I generally gravitate nowadays towards probably more the non-RPG stuff because I don't want to think. I don't want to remember where I was at. I don't want to look up FAQs. Um, I just want to flop and kill a bunch of crap. So I've been leaning a lot more towards uh, Dynasty Warriors. Been playing a crap ton of like the Dynasty Warrior Muso games, Dynasty Warriors, One Pirate Warriors, anything along those lines. Of course, a little Hyrule Warriors here and there, which we've talked about. Um, on our Muso game uh, series, but and uh, and and tower defense balloons because it's so brainless. You just watch the balloons pop, the monkeys throw the darts, and they pop the balloons. And as simple as this is, and if you play TD5 balloons, TD5 tower defense five, it's literally uses 2D graphics, and Windows 10 can't handle it, and it's very frustrating. I cry. I literally cry when I've worked so hard and all I want to do is pop some balloons and my very expensive Alienware gaming computer can't handle balloons TD5. It just... me I was trying to get him shocked five years ago. That was before. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's pretty frustrating. Uh, all you want to do is just come home and, and just relax and, and play a little and that doesn't work. But hey, you put it up on the iPad and it works great. So... Stupid freaking window pin in my freaking neck. I have to go burger burger. I have never looked at so many INI files. Uh, <laughs> I I've been listening to I mean total tangent here, but I've been listening to a lot of World War II books about World War II lately because I think it's really important where we're I mean not to get political here, but I'll get just a tiny bit. I think it's important when we're looking at what's going on in the world today to understand where we came from, and so I think it's really important. I feel like a lot of people have lost complete perspective of where we come from what our history is and we take little bits and pieces of history to prove our point and people buy into it and we move on when really well there you go so understanding what led us to that point and why did we drop the bomb and what was going on there is very very interesting to get that huge perspective um, so i've been listening to a lot of world war ii especially so i'm very fascinated with the whole the idea these guys were literally living in a tiny small tin can underneath the ocean and taking out a lot of japanese ships um in that perspective and how did i get oh yeah so i got up uh, uh so i've been listening to the books uh even watching some of the you can find lots of videos on on youtube where they'll take you on like tours listening to stuff about yeah right submariners and and what's really funny is windows 10 you love this mike so I, I got a huge library of games on steam and gog and of course i have silent hunter and silent service this you know both series and so I go to, I'm like, you know what? I just want to play for just a few minutes. I, I don't want to get into it because submarine simulators uh, using that part of the brain. I don't want to deal with right now when I'm at home, but I just want to get into the sub. Like some of them are more detailed than ours. We'll let you actually walk through the sub or mess with the controls. Maybe sink a ship real quick. And windows 10 kept giving me freeze ups and white screens of death. And I had to go in and play with I and I files and look this up. I, I, that is the thing like windows 10, as a gaming platform is really starting to tick me off and disappoint me because it, it, when it comes to retro gaming 
it's it's having a lot more canaries than windows 7 and it's not and windows 7 was 64 bit it's not like when we first went to i forget if it was vista or what uh, uh windows 8 or windows 7 or whatever it was that we first jumped to 64 bit and it broke a lot of old games that was to be expected you're going from a 32-bit architecture to a 64-bit architecture completely expected but whether it's old games new games kind of current games windows 10's breaking a lot you know you're playing borderlands that, that that's a that's a brand new game uh whether it's its own skype in our recordings i will say my frustration mirrors your own and it's growing towards Windows 10. And there's a lot of people who feel the same way, even in business, for business applications. We don't, we don't have a review for Borderlands 3. And I'm going to say that this is probably part of it because people can't get the damn thing to play on their system. It just depends on your system, your configuration, whether or not a particular update. And some of the updates that they come out with break some of the shit that used to work in the past. Uh, Microsoft is, yeah, is you going in the wrong direction with these things, and they need to get their crap in gear, or their shit in gear, whatever. And they just—it is really, really frustrating when you just want to come home at night and and play, you know, play a game on a machine that should be more than capable of running it. So, um, a little frustration there, and a little nod to my my console brothers who say, "Well, Phil, it just works on the console." Generally speaking, that's true. Um, though I did have some problems with my PlayStation Four. Uh, in the last month or two, playing some old Dynasty Warriors games, popped the disc in, and it kept coming with disc not read error. Pull it out, clean the disc, look at the disc. Doesn't seem to be anything wrong with it. I did several discs, and it wouldn't read the disc. And something great, my PlayStation 4 a shot. There's, and of course, because it's got that stupid design where you put the disc in and it comes out, like it's that that design where you can't open up the lid like you can with the later PlayStation 3s, where you had that lid you could slide and at least see the lens and stuff. You'd have to take this thing completely apart. Um, which I, again, that that design is right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I hate any sort of console. The old PlayStation three fat was the same way where we pop the disc out and pull it in. And that, yeah, those are more pro. I just like the ones that you flip open, you put the disc in. Yep. Anyways, uh, I don't know what I did, but I shook it a bit. I mean, you kind of (laughs) do, you kind of do the dance with it, like the toner dance, uh, shook it a bit, blew in it, did the can of air thing. At some point, you start working again. So occasionally, you even have those problems. Oh, even went to the black screen, went into the system settings, your PlayStation 4, if you hold down your power button, there's a way to get into the the initial boot menu and do some things there. I was looking all kinds of... So consoles aren't completely innocent with the whole, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty to get it running again. Um, and running into some issues, and PlayStation 4's had some hiccups, but Windows 10, man, evil. But hey, my PlayStation 2, still working great. Um, remember, I'm so grateful that Microsoft skipped right over Windows 9, so straight to Windows 10. <coughs> yeah, great choice. Great choice. Uh, but other than that, yeah, no, playing lots of balloons for some reason, and I don't know why. And, you know, Kelly, uh, you'd be proud of these games have been playing Dicey Wars and Balloons. Mm-hmm. Speaking of community and stuff, I've been getting involved. I signed up for Reddit for the first time. Because <gasps> while the Balloons Reddit is absolutely horrific... The uh, the the Dynasty Warriors red subreddit is actually very mature. They're very informative. They answer questions. It's a very nice community. There's a guy on there who's actually doing research on major you know people that are in the game and doing the historic research as as historical as you can get from pulling from the romance of Three Kingdom and other sources. Um, obviously, a lot of that's been legendized by this point, but. Um, but but he's pulling and writing as much, you know, putting together like these bios on these characters that are extremely fascinating. Some people have done some really nice 
really nice professional fan art on there. Uh, I got some really cool wallpapers off of there. It's it's a nice subreddit. So the community there makes me enjoy the game that much more. That there's a, a strong community to discuss. Another fun thing was some of them had recommended, you know, this one particular version of the book, Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And I clicked on the link, took me to Amazon. And it was really funny reading through the great reviews on Amazon. It's good recommend. Uh, and I bought the book. I just haven't a chance to read it yet. But what's, what's really funny is like when you read the reviews on there, um, there's a there's probably a third of them are people who are like, yeah, I play the Dynasty Warriors games. It got so interesting <laughs> the story. I'm, I want the book and I'm really enjoying finding out, you know, more, you know, stuff about these characters and, and you know, and, and, you know, some of the quote unquote truth. Uh, use that in air quotes because Romance of the Kingdoms takes some liberties, but then Koei, when they come out with their versions, take more liberties, right? Um, so and that, who says video games can't promote? Right? It is, <laughs> it is really, really cool. Well, I mean, one night, if you play uh, Warrior or uh, Dynasty Warriors 8, I think it's on the PlayStation 4, uh, the, re- the remake or whatever, the Ultimate Edition is on PlayStation 4. You can play the older edition on PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. But inside of that, there is a an encyclopedia and in there you can get in a very abbreviated version of the whole story. It took mm-hmm. me about an hour, hour and a half to read through it. Uh, I mean, it's very abbreviated, but, uh, but that's what kind of got me even more interested in finding, you know, finding out more. So um, just playing through the game. So real quick for those that we've talked about Muso games in the past, you know, they all come from, as we mentioned on that podcast, Really started with the Dynasty Warriors series, and now we have Samurai Warriors uh, that started a little bit later on. But Dynasty Warriors, where it all begins, and up through <laughs> nine. Uh, <laughs> but it, you know, when it comes to the story, if you really want to get into the story, you're an RPG fanatic, you like stories, you like drama, you like character progression. Uh, Dynasty Warrior Seven, which I found uh, has the best has the best storytelling out of all of them. Dynasty Warriors Eight is a better game has more advancements um has a better post game but when it came to actually dramatizing and telling the story it 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 wasn't pulled off as well and it took a few too many shortcuts whereas seven really focuses on one character at a time and gives it a little bit more room to breathe it's hard because there's so many characters but you at least get a little room with each one of them and see a little character progression uh, especially towards the end so I highly recommend you go and play if you're interested in story play seven. Now what's interesting is you can get seven on the PlayStation three easily enough. And, but there's always like the regular edition. And then there's the extreme going back to the extreme. There's the extreme edition, which will have your extra DLC characters, whatever post game materials uh, and sometimes extra storyline. So I always try to get the extreme edition. And when I bought the disc and I got it, I put it in my PlayStation. I'm like, shit, this isn't the extreme. I bought the wrong version. Crap. So I went to look online. It turns out you can't get the extreme edition of Dynasty Warrior 7 in the United States for your whatever. You might be able to import it. might be different languages. I didn't want to mess with all that. Then you got to buy it from Japan. No, I didn't want to mess with all that. Turns out Steam has it. Dynasty Warrior 7 Extreme is on Steam, and it's pretty affordable, especially if you get on Steam sale. But even And it runs real. That's the one thing Windows 10 did run at a very silky smooth frame rate, as you might expect, because it's a 12 year old, 15 year old game. Uh Uh, And it's really fun. I've enjoyed playing through all their stories, uh, you know, on there. So freaking good. I played through every single one now. Uh, Just beat the crap and get that story. So 
Yeah, ton, that's that's really cool. Uh, the gameplay starts to get old because it isn't the more refined gameplay. When, when you're done with those stories, you're pretty much ready for it to be over. But um, then you go and play eight. But yeah, so and and if you want a really good story uh, on the Samurai side, play Spirit of Sonata. Spirit of Sonata is actually very close to an RPG if it's not technically an RPG. That's an argument. But it, it's the Musou-style battles, but there's a lot of character progression. They've really focused on the Sonata family, so you're getting a lot more fleshed-out character development uh, and and storytelling through the, the family's generations. And when you're in the town, there's a lot more. There's crafting. There's leveling up. There's team management. It feels a lot more like an RPG than perhaps any of the other games, even some of the other ones we talked about. I mean, it's pretty damn close to uh, Dragon Quest Heroes level of RPG vibes. So just in a different way, but it's pretty cool. Anywho, that's all I got. I will remind everybody that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Head over to RPGamer.com, where you can not only find tons of articles about favorite RPGs written by people who love and adore them, but you can also check out our other podcasts, such as the RPG Cast, and the Q&A Quest, and so many more over there at RPGamer.com. Mr. Minky, the final word is yours. Well, I would like to say that Grandia Online should not be in Game Arts is kind of <laughs> defunct. Yeah, still, maybe if everybody buys the remasters, that will convince people demand from demand for combat systems. Nobody has ripped off wholesale yet, and that's just, I know, Trails has done a little bit, but not. So, there's my word. Good night. Find it What I've been searching The boy reaches out to the sky He plays again No doubt he'll make it All of his goals and desires The sky above you Is waiting for you Oh, <laughs>